The following has been brought to you by SJP World Media. How are you today? All right, mate. All right. Not bad. Not bad. Not bad. Jing? Yeah, not too bad. Uh, Rough with a cold. So, at first, but apologies if you get a lot of coughing and sputtering on this episode. It's a little bit tough. I have got a cold. You don't sound great, mate, to be fair. You do sound a bit on the crow. But this is what I do for the CWF, though. I, I come through. Yeah, I may have had like a month off because I went mental, but ignore that. <laughs> when it comes to physical problems, I'm here. I make the effort. Oh, mate. It's good. It's good. It's commitment to the cause, isn't it? Eh? That's why it you is. are yeah. a pod father. That's why you are. The Allegedly. Father. Allegedly. No, very much so, mate. Very much so. Yeah, you sound a bit croaky, bud, so, you know. I, I was thinking husky, like sen- sexy. So, well, I think you always sound sexy. To me, that's the main drawing point of the show. It's, it's, it's how sexy you are. You're the eye candy. Uh, it's facts. <laughs> <laughs> You're the eye candy, mate. That's what it is. Jesus you know? wet. That is that is a sad state of affairs if I'm the eye candy of a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> On that lovely note. We walk Good evening, good morning, wherever and whenever you may be listening or watching from. This is Chain Wrestling Live with Mags and Sai, a SJP World Media Production, episode 92Y. I am Sai, and with me as always is the Kip Sheffield, to my right back, both pretty shit, let's be honest. The Super Cena, to my need to be cleaner, apparently I smell a bit. I think I smell terrific, you know, 12 year old girls deodorant because I ran out, works every time mate, super powerful stuff. A podcaster who, when it comes to grappling with seven other men, would never want his happy ending changed. The podfather himself, Lord Mags. Well, I don't need to ask how you are. You told me. Croaky voice. Yeah, croaky <laughs> voice. <laughs> I'm, I'm ready for that bukkake, or whatever it's oh, called. Dear me. Don't look that up, younger viewers. Just. <laughs> <laughs> Just. Oh, my. It's taken. 
less than three minutes and I'm already going, oh no. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm doing good. Aside from the cold, yeah, it's been uh, it's been quite a, a, a quiet week. Obviously, we had the the um, the, the funeral of Her Majesty uh, today, so mm-hmm. it's been quite a sombre affair, but kind of like last week, we are here to, uh, to put a little bit of brightness in people's days. So hopefully yeah. we can do that over the next couple of hours and, uh, and give you something to smile or laugh or roll your eyes at. Yeah, this is it, mate. This is it. Hopefully, again, a bit of a distraction. You know, I mean, don't get me wrong. It's it's a massive occasion. Of course it is. But it is, to me, feeling like now you do need a bit of an escape because it did dominate so many TV stations all day long. And don't get me wrong, it was, just, it was spectacular. I mean, I got caught some of it. Sharon watched pretty much all of it at home. I was sort of in and out of the room. I watched some of it. And it was a spectacular sight, seeing you know those buildings and, and all the uniforms and all that sort of stuff. But, yeah, it just gets to a point where, okay, I've seen enough of this now. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, she were only on the throne for 70 years, sir. So giving her a full day on TV, that's selfish, isn't it? Well, no, I'm not saying... No, no, no. Hang on. <laughs> I'm not saying I begrudge a whole day on the television. I was, <laughs> I was saying that obviously the the, the the fantastic you know freedom we have in our nation means I don't have to watch if I don't want to. And I watched quite a bit of it, and then I went away and did some other stuff. Then I watched a bit more. And I went away and did some more stuff, and you know, keep 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 digging yourself into that hole. You'll probably be deep enough to join her very soon. Oh my God! Uh, shall we see who's joining us, Magsy? On, on the, on the <laughs> yes. Shall we yes, move on we from this shall. before I before I get cancelled by all the royalists? <laughs> so as as always, we start this show with with uh, your good lady saying it's Monday. You know what that means, and Dan, it means shenanigans, bullshit, dirty jokes, and maybe some wrestling. Actually, maybe. quite a lot of wrestling this week. It's actually yeah. quite impressive. Um, Cam in the chat. Hello, good sir. Uh, Scottish Danny. Um, I don't know if you're in the in the Cardiff group, but he's uh, Danny posted a, a video of a of a Scottish guy pushing a pram down yeah. the street, and the pram was on fire. Uh, so <laughs> typical Scotland. I thought that was the the street uh, streets of Camden, but no, apparently it was Scotland. Actually, to be honest, I looked at the buildings. I thought it was Gloucester for a moment. <laughs> genuine, I genuinely did. Is, is that my front street? <laughs> That's my estate. <laughs> I know him. <laughs> That's my pram. <laughs> <laughs> That's my fire, the bastard. <laughs> uh, Sharon saying I'm a trooper. Uh, she missed out the word absolute, uh, but I'll, I'll forgive her for that. Thank you, Sharon. Um, Scott Stanley saying evening all and uh, Anya. Oh my god, the intros get better and better. Apologize, I apologize for the intros. I'm poorly. Uh, <laughs> stuff is gonna come out of my mouth that I am not this isn't engaged in, so I apologize now for the things that I'm going to say. What about every other week for the last 91 weeks then? What's no, the no, there? no. I, I, I accept them as as they are this week. It may go more off the rails, though. Oh, good God. Okay. <laughs> Scottish Danny says, this is why we tune into the live YouTube. And this is why it'll only be us that tune in, because any new people coming in just watch Fabrics and they go, nope, that's not for me. <laughs> this is supposed to be a wrestling show. Yeah, <laughs> that's, it, that's enough YouTube for a day. <laughs> Connor uh, from Connor Soccer in the chat. Hello, sir. How are you? 
LSP. I'm assuming that's Liv's uh, new YouTube channel. Um, I believe so. Uh, hi, Rona Roo. I'm assuming that's yeah. a nickname. Oh, that's well, cute. She's, uh, she's full of the Rona, mate, isn't she? Ah, she is again. Our, our Liv's the third time has caught the Rona and brought it into Rid- our house. Ridiculous. What is she doing? She must be waiting outside test centres and just licking people or something. (laughs) Just breathing it in (laughs) there. Yeah. Stop it. You want to cough into my mouth? (laughs) Benjamin Dover. Benjamin Dover. Brilliant. Mm -hmm. Uh, I love wrestling. Woohoo. Yep. Um, Welcome to the show, Benjamin. Uh, Dan Griffith saying, fire prams are what Danny would be doing if he hadn't taken up knife play. <laughs> Absolutely. And Scottish Danny agrees because he is the Camden town stabber, obviously. Yes. yes. And we'll end on a on a pleasant one from all them horrible people in the Cedar Breath. Hello, Charlie. How are you? Hello, Charlie. Hello. Ah, uh, yes, there we go then. So we have a lot on this show. Obviously, we have our Hall of Lane we're going to get to shortly. A huge non-wrestling topic, as Magsy Coffs gets up for the first time of the show. You know, lasted eight the minutes. Mate. Of many. The first of many, yeah, the first of many. A huge non-wrestling topic this week with loads of responses from all you wonderful people once again. And a wrestling match that, well, let's put it this way. I don't mind John Cena, but if you don't like John Cena, stick around. I'm probably going to say a few things you're going to enjoy. Magsy, shall we chuck some stuff into the Hall of Lame? The Hall of What do you got for us, mate? So I, I actually like spoke to you midweek about my Hall of Lame, saying that this was a belter, and the the sickness gods have have bestowed upon me an illness that they said, right, you want to be clever, you want to write out a thirteen hundred page script, enjoy doing that without coughing your guts up through it. Um, <laughs> yeah. So uh, for the, the next few halls of lame I've got, I've been on a, a bit of a a YouTube kind of a rabbit hole that takes you to ridiculous parts of wrestling. And and this was one that stood out for me uh, from, from watching it and thinking, Oh, I remember that. God, that was terrible. And it's also in your wheelhouse of uh, early 90s WCW. So I thought this, this deserves to go in. So let's Lovely. start. So back in 1993, WCW saw that early parts of the 90s. Um, they had started to use a, uh, uh, TV and Hollywood writers to to plan out vignettes and and segments, uh, trying to appeal to wider uh, fan bases. So if you remember stuff like uh, Vader's White Castle of Fear, uh, that might come up in another Hall of Lame very soon because that was horrific. Uh, or like the Beach Blast '93 movie, uh, the mini movie. Uh, they had those oh, yeah. kind of like um, uh, vignettes. So at this time, we had Vader as champion. Uh, and he was the kind of classic monster heel champion, destroying everyone in his path, uh, a, a genuine, uncontrollable mastodon. And then on the other side of the coin, you had uh, Cactus Jack. He's old caution to the wind, he doesn't care about himself. He'd really be a fool to think he cares about someone else. He's not really much of keeping the action in the ring Cause broken bones on a concrete floor are really more his thing He's not on a team or a member of a gang He's Cactus Jack 
He was uh, coming off a feud with Paul Orndorff. Um, he ended up being attacked by Vader, and that kind of started the ball rolling on Cactus' uh, turning face. Uh, he even got the pin. Uh, Cactus even got the pin in the Thunder Cage match at uh, Clash of the Champions 22, uh, where he and his teammates, I think, were Sting and Dustin Rhodes. They beat Vader, Orndorff, and Barry Windham, who was uh, that's the Barry Windham mentioned that that I promised you. Um, I can like so, that one, mate. That one's all right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because he's not the focal point of the whole yeah, thing. Yeah. Uh, so this it was all uh, put in place so that Cactus could get a title shot against Vader. Um, and but before that, he, he faced off um, with Orndorff again in a false count anywhere match uh, to really cement the fact that he he was a face now that he was uh, he was taking this damage to entertain the fans. So leading to uh, is is the start of his push towards a, a title shot uh, Mick actually approached uh, head writer at the time head booker uh, Dusty Rhodes and he uh, he laid out this plan of, of matches where it culminated in, in Vader seriously injuring Cactus Jack um, to essentially give him some time off so Dusty's eyes lit up and he started going through kind of scenarios in his head and he's like, that's it, baby. And then when uh, Vader hurts you, you'll get amnesia and you'll go home and you won't even remember your family. So Mick's like, oh, amnesia, that's hard sell. He's like, oh. And just as he's about to kind of say, I don't like it, Dusty says, You'll be off the road for four months on full pay. So Mick's like, yes, sir. I'm happy with that. Yep, what a great story here in Cleveland. Um, yeah. <laughs> so um, Mick, Mick uh, thought the story's gone off on a tangent. Maybe that'll get reined in whilst, we, uh, whilst it's uh, being booked. But the matches should be good because um, Mick and Veda usually have pretty good matches. So we get to the um, the match where um, Cactus is to get amnesia, and how they did it was uh, Foley took the power bomb on the the exposed concrete, uh, and and that took him out. So he, he gets four months off now, whilst it's the story's built up for him to make his his gallant return. A week or so into his break, he gets a phone call from Tony Schiavone. And Tony was uh, not just a, a commentator, but he was part of the the, the backstage team. Uh, he tells Mick that he has to come uh, come back and record uh, the vignettes for his return, and that there's been some idea changes. Uh oh, there we go. So the bookers uh, had said they want to insert a little bit of comedy into the storyline. Um, Mick says, no, I don't agree with that whatsoever. This is serious. There's nothing funny about head injuries. There's nothing funny about amnesia. So Tony argued that the 12 weeks of uh, vignettes planned, if they were all serious vignettes, fans would get bored before the before the, the return of Mick. And that the decision was final, um, that he had to come uh, and film these vignettes and he would be receiving the script in the next couple of days. He received this script and he receives copies of the, the vignettes they've recorded without him and instantly he detests it. He said the first couple of vignettes uh, were were so bad he believed that they would be cancelled 
before this 12-week run. And he was absolutely right because they would be cancelled. So we then fast forward to the 5th of June, uh, 1993. Uh, WCW Saturday night, and Tony Schiavone says uh, to the audience that Cactus has been sent to a, uh, a mental institution for further observation because his physical injuries have got better, but it's affected him mentally. So we cut to Catherine White, who is uh, an overacting, roving reporter. <laughs> and she has been sent to check on the condition of Cactus Jack. So she uh, she tells the viewers that Cactus has escaped the hospital. Uh, his mental state has deteriorated badly. And then a guy sat behind her on a bench uh, who's eating what's-its with a toothpick. He overhears Catherine and says that, that Jack's in Cleveland. And he, then he also says that Jack is in Atlantis and that he's a fish. Uh, and then he starts <laughs> acting like Rain Man. So... I don't know how much stock you could put into this guy, uh, but then Catherine spots someone in the corner of her eye who she thinks is Jack, and she wanders over to him, and it turns out to be a bloke doing a very poor Jack Nicholson impression. Right. So here end of segment, vignette one. So we're already off to a great start. Uh, okay. The next vignette has Catherine, the roving reporter, she's at the home of Cactus Jack talking to Mrs. Jack. Mrs. Jack. Mrs. <laughs> Mrs. Mrs. Cactus. <laughs> but this isn't actually Mick's real wife because Dusty Rhodes, and this is hilarious, said that Mick's wife was way too pretty and they needed someone uglier and frumpier. <laughs> so, so they got an actress in and uh, Mick's wife uh, tells Catherine that Jack was here, but he was acting like he didn't know who they were. And then he's left. So next up, we're in Cleveland. She's following up on the, on the, on the, the, the rumor that he's in Cleveland and said that WCW has received reports of him being all over the States, but the majority of them centered around this particular street in Cleveland, where Jack has been spotted hanging around a bunch of homeless people. So she walks down this dark alley uh, and she's asking the, the the various hobos if they've seen Jack. And then we see one tramp called Swampy. He's drinking, <laughs> he's drinking whiskey out of a, a brown paper bag and he tells Catherine that he knows uh, Cactus and that for $50, he will call her when, uh, she's, when he sees Cactus again. Um, and just as we're getting to the end of this vignette, uh, Catherine's handbag is stolen by one of these one of these rogue homeless people, and as she's setting off to run off, the bag is thrown back to her by somebody in the darkness. So she's she's had a bag saved by a mystery mystery hobo. Was it what's it, man? It, no, <laughs> he, was too, he was too busy counting cards in Vegas. Right. Okay. <laughs> so we get to the next vignette. And we see Swampy and Catherine again. And we see Swampy tapping Catherine up for more money. And she says, I'm not going to give you any more money until I see Jack. So Swampy says, you've actually already seen Jack because it was him who threw the handbag back to you. So she ventures further into this, into this alley. 
And you see Cactus Jack sat down with a group of these bums around him and he's telling them tales of his laugh at sea, like Sailor Jack. Um, so when uh, Catherine approaches him, he's adamant that he is not the person she's looking for. He's just a simple sailor with no name. And this nameless <laughs> this nameless sailor is also flanked by his girlfriend, um, who's called Bang Bang. Yep, with bang bang. Okay. Um, she tells Catherine to back off uh, as Jack enters his makeshift tent slash hovel, what he lives in. So another week, another vignette, and Catherine is back in Cleveland, and she's taken the advice of Jack's doctor, and Jack's doctor has said, bring somebody along who could uh, jog Jack's memory, like somebody from his past. So, I hope it's Vader. Now you would think. <laughs> weirdly, she brings Dustin Rhodes. Oh, the, um, oh well, yeah. Because of that, because uh, <laughs> of that long, long, well-known history between Jack and and Dustin, um, mm. they they find Jack uh, again talking to these uh, hobos about his life at sea, and Jack mistakes Dustin for a country singer. Um, on the account that he was dressed like a fucking country singer. He had a ridiculous <laughs> shirt on, a cowboy hat, cowboy boots. They all get up. But Jack says he was a singer who they had on, on the ship that he sailed on, and he went down well uh, with, with the crew. Um, Dustin says, no, Jack, we've teamed up before. Uh, and Jack, point blank, don't, don't, um, don't remember at all. But bang, bang, the girlfriend comes out and... Uh, Catherine accuser says you're hiding something. There's something suspicious going on. Um, Dustin does the whole bang bang uh, finger guns, and Jack re- re- like sh- does it back as if like there's a spark of 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 the old cactus there, muscle memory or something maybe. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> but, but bang bang the girlfriend, not the bang bang, causing all the troops, uh, and Dustin thinks he's going to get the the laugh kicked in. Instead, they just steal his hat. Um, that's the end of that um, vignette. Now, give me one second. I just need to cough. You good? <laughs> what a professional I am. Oh, that was great. So then we uh, we get to vignette number six of the 12. And Catherine is in Cleveland yet again. But this time she's brought... Uh, Jack's wife and child, Dewey. And and we see Swampy again. But this time, he's not a hobo dressed in smelly clothes. He's actually got a shirt and tie. He looks pretty professional. And Swampy says uh, to to Catherine that he's taking Jack's advice of of cleaning his act up and getting himself a job. Uh, But then he says... Jack is not in Cleveland anymore. Jack and Bang Bang have moved on because of Catherine snooping. So just as the uh, Catherine and, and Dewey and uh, Mrs. Foley are about to leave, uh, Swampy has a change of heart and he says, I can't, I can't lie to you. He is here. And he takes uh, he takes the group to to Jack and Bang Bang. Mags is just coughing his guts up again there. Oh, poorly Mags. He is a trooper, and he shouts right in the chat. Look at this. Luckily, we're we're only on 
just vignette six of 12 so far. Oh my God. Shall I go make a cup of tea or something? <laughs> so uh, Swampy takes the, uh, takes the group to, uh, to Jack um, because he believes that Bang Bang is a bad influence on, on Jack and wants to control him. Uh, and when the group uh, find Jack and, and Bang Bang, Cactus does not recognize his wife and son whatsoever. They both beg him to come home and he says he is home. And then the vignette ends with uh, with Jack and Bang Bang walking one way and his wife and kid walking the other. Then the next vignette doesn't happen. There is no more vignettes. The story just the story just ends there, and it's because Duster uh, was told by Jim Hurd that these vignettes were to stop immediately. Um, uh, Mick Foley believed that uh, Eric Bischoff had a hand to play in it, but the 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 truth is that Jim Hurd was uh, not happy with the vignettes, and that they they had to stop. And also, they were typical of Dusty's recklessness with company money. Because right. they they cost around a hundred thousand per vignette to produce. Wow! But it's not the end of the end of the tale. Cactus Jack did return to to uh, face Vader. Uh, he attacked him at Clash of Champions twenty four. Uh, but they never mentioned this amnesia angle ever again. Um, and to rub salt into uh, Jack's uh, wounds, he would end up facing fellow alumni in the Hall of Lame, Yoshi Kwan, before he was able to get his uh, his title match against Vader. Uh, a title match that he then went on and lost, uh, and then really got injured um, because uh, Vader did a backdrop and put all his weight on him. So, oh yeah, a very sad end to uh, what could have been a great story, but just was was fizzled out and cut off halfway through. So yeah, this week's entrance from me to the hall of limb is lost in Cleveland with cactus Jack. That's terrible. Isn't it? You say hundred thousand dollars roughly per vignette and they filmed six of them. They filmed six. They spent over half a million. So they spent over half a million dollars on this. Mm-hmm. And then even after that decided, oh, we're just going to stop it. But they heard like- this sound. Were they hoping that the audience had amnesia and we were just going to forget about the storyline altogether? That's the wrestling way, though. That's what happens in wrestling. Their storylines are dropped all the time and you're just meant to carry on, I suppose. But what interests me is if this was only the sixth vignette and we got to that that kind of end of the story with Cactus and uh, his wife, what, what were they going to fill the next six vignettes with? Yeah. It's weird, oh, but man. yeah, lost that in Cleveland. Crap, Look it yeah. up. Look it I've, up. I've seen, I've seen most of it. Yeah, I mean, WCW '93, as you said, was a really weird place. When you started talking about uh, WCW '93 and vignettes and film directors and so on, I assumed you were going to Beach Blast '93 and Sid in his flip flops and all that sort of nonsense and all that stupidness. That makeup, dog. That makeup, because <laughs> that is that's bad. But what you've given us there, Max, I think it's actually even worse because they just kept going back to the well until one day just went ah, sod that. Mm-hmm. Exactly, and 
some of the comments. Uh, Dan Griffin, there's nothing funny about head injuries. Come on, Mick, one little penis job, please. <laughs> Can my missus be in the vignettes, Duster? You are fucking joking, Mick. You are punching far too hard. <laughs> <laughs> Oh dear. I mean, I, I'm not going to be able to top that, but I am going WCW. And I had I had three or four, well, three options, three main options going into this week that I did a little bit of research, well, quite a lot of research by my standards on. And I was like, okay, this is good. This is good. The, the last one, I was a bit like, okay, maybe I'm scraping a barrel a bit with that. But the other two, I was, I was quite happy with. But I kept coming back to something else. Because we're covering it at the moment on Nitro Nights. And if I don't say it now, I feel we may not get the outrage and hatred and just sheer fire from Scottish Danny, my co-host on Nitro Nights. Because this really fires him up. And I love how passionate and angry he gets. Everyone can recall from previous uh, Hall of Names and from Nitro Nights, if you listen, the stable, the Dungeon of Doom. Everyone can recall the numerous ridiculous members they've had. Uh, one of them was friend of the show, Ed Leslie, the uh, Brutus the Barber Beefcake, as the Zodiac, who is already in the Hall of Lane. Now, obviously, the Zodiac isn't going to go in again because you know he's already in there. We've already, we've already chucked him in there, and rightfully so, because it was bloody awful. However, uh, Scottish Danny in the chat there, look, I knew this was coming. Yeah, I'm doing it for you, Danny, because I know how much you hate it. There was an occasion that we've not long recorded for. I'm not sure if it's come out yet, but we've not long recorded for with regards to Nitro Nights, where Hogan and Savage are battling the Dungeon of Doom and the Horsemen, and we're building up to Uncensored with that ridiculous cage match where it seems like it's the whole roster versus Hogan and Savage at Uncensored 96. So this is 96 WCW, when things apparently started to get good. But this is not good. Completely at random, whilst Hogan and Savage are getting beaten down by this huge number of bad guys, including randomly giant haystacks for a couple of weeks. He turned up there, you know, and of course, you know, like Zeus from SummerSlam 89, he makes an appearance, you know, all these guys just coming out of the woodwork to beat up Hogan. Somebody runs down to the ring wearing what can only be described as bootleg, crappy, homemade Brutus, but the barber beefcake ring gear crossed with maybe shitty amateur acting ultimate warrior mannerisms he's got the tassels on his arm he's got the long hair he's got cut out bits on his tights and so on and he's running about and bouncing the ropes and waving his arms well it slows down a little bit and you see what's going on as this guy makes the save and helps savage and hogan on this episode of nitro you twig hang on that's the bloody zodiac who's a member of, of the dungeon of doom What's going on? We got no explanation that night at all. Hogan names him, but we got no explanation as to what's going on. We just get ranting and shouting about a six-man tag next week. Uh, mean Gene has to go out of his way to prompt Hogan to say, look, you're supposed to be saying this. Say it now. We're running out of airtime. Eventually, Hogan does get in that he wants a tag match the following week and so on. So we then, the following Nitro, have Hogan and Savage and their new partner, the Booty Man, Shaking my thing. Put your hands together. I'll show you the way. 
Facing off against three members of the Dungeon of Doom and, you know, the horseman sort of collected group. Now, the booty man is bad enough. It's Ed Leslie, so straight away you know it's shit. But it's Ed Leslie playing a character that is obsessed with his own butt cheeks. He slaps his own butt cheeks. He constantly points at his arse. And it's almost like he's waiting for the crowd reaction when he slaps his arse and points at his opponent. But it never comes. So he just looks stupid. Now, that is bad enough. What I would like to do is put another spin on it and have a little look at what we're told is the reason for the booty man's appearance. And that is, Hogan says, the Zodiac was never really a member of the Dungeon of Doom. The Zodiac was a spy sent in by Hogan and Savage. <laughs> now, you put that into context, okay? For the last, what, six to eight months, maybe even as long as a year, I'm not sure, the Dungeon of Doom have been beating the piss out of Hogan and Savage, including the Zodiac, wellying in with chairs and all sorts. If he was supposed to be a spy to tell Hogan the inner workings of the Dungeon of Doom, how come Hogan carried on getting jumped all the time? There's obviously no information getting passed back from this kayfabe fabricated spy. It's just the most ridiculous, over-the-top, contrived attempt at turning somebody babyface when you've got no reason to do it. Ever. Now, the, the Zodiac was never over. It was awful, it was crap, and that's what's in the Hall of Lame already. But at least the longer he was there, the longer his presence maybe started to make sense. The Booty Man makes no sense whatsoever. The wrestler is crap, the gimmick is crap, the name is crap, and the reasoning behind it is even worse. So that's my entrant into the Hall of Lame this week. The Booty Man and his spy mission. Has Ed Leslie ever had a good gimmick? Um, to be fair, in his defence, that his his finish is is a running knee strike that he calls the high knee, as in high knee, high knee. That I get a kick out of. I enjoy that part. Mm-hmm. But everything else he's ever done, shite. <laughs> yeah, and you and you can tell this was all because uh, Ed was Hogan. I don't want to be against you all the time. Me and you are like brothers. I want to be your friend. We're best friends. Yeah. yeah, yeah, we're best mates. Yeah, it's so bad. It was awful. It was awful. Thank God. In a couple of months' time, I think Danny knows exactly the number of weeks he can't. He's, <laughs> he's counted them. He's got it on his calendar. Yeah. On Thank God. On Nitro Nights, on Scott Hall. Episodes. Yeah, Scott <laughs> Hall arrives soon. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, shall we jump into the chat magazine? See if we got anything there before we get on with this week's non-wrestling topic, my friend. Yes, we shall. Let me zoom back up. Um, yep, yeah, uh, Dan Griffith saying it was Ed Lesler uh, playing the barbed wire that Cactus Jack chewed on as a boy. <laughs> <laughs> and then he said, hang on, what's one pet played by Ed's, Ed Lesler? You know, it would not surprise me. I don't think it actually was, but it would not surprise me if he wasn't part of it. He was probably one of the hobos. That was probably Ed Lesler's house that Cactus Jack was using as, mm. a, as a homeless den. Yeah. Um, Cam Griffin, the booty, 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 booty man. 
Oh, oh his entrance theme as well. Not that that is his entrance theme there, but his entrance theme is shot. Everything about it is just crap, and I'm getting angry thinking about it. <laughs> this is what happens when you let wrestlers run wild with their own yeah. ideas. They, he clearly thought that this was cool and this was going to get him over and it was going to be popular, and it went down like a, an actual fight in church. Mm, yes. Dan Griffin saying the booty man was tall ass, and Cam saying that was shit. Did you all <laughs> And um, Dan saying, Booty Man Rock saw Taguchi could run with the arse base gimmick. There's no way, there's no comparison. Taguchi is way better using his arse than Booty Man ever, ever would. Ed Leslie, the worst spy ever. <laughs> yeah, just, it's awful. Uh, Cam Griffin saying, to be fair, the Zodiac did, did hold the giant off for weeks from going in to get organ. Uh, why am I trying to justify the booty man? <laughs> no, you've drawn your battle lines now, Cam. You are now a booty man fan, and sorry, yeah. you can't. You're not allowed to watch this show anymore. <laughs> You'll have to listen to the audio version. Don't say that like <laughs> it's a bad thing. <laughs> which you can find on all podcasting <laughs> platforms. So there you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, Dan saying to his uh, to Cam, um, you've had a you've had a big day. You need a kip lad. Um, saying uh, Cam reply saying I know horrendous trying to justify him well you, you read what you saw Cam so you're now in the in the bad books with us here at the scene you're on the <laughs> you're on the naughty list mate you're on the naughty <laughs> list <laughs> Magsy shall we uh, shall we talk a little bit non-wrestling topic then I think we've done 35 minutes and we spoke quite a bit of wrestling already that's not like us I know wow let's have a rest <laughs> NWT time. Oh, no wrestling talk here. It's the non-wrestling topic. Lovely. Nice. Lovely. Nice. Oh, lovely. Lovely. That is proper Gloucester, isn't it? That is proper Gloucester. That belch at the end is Charlie, by the way. Um... It's not. She'll go mad if she doesn't say that. Oh, dear. This week's non-wrestling topic, then, uh, is one that we've kind of had in the in the background for a little while, Magsy, aren't we? But other options always popped up and sort of mm-hmm. took over. But, yeah, this week we sort of went with it, and it's uh, childhood ambitions. We've had crazy dreams or legit jobs that you wanted to do and ended up doing or not doing or for whatever reason. Just childhood ambitions and, and all that sort of stuff. And we've had quite a mixed bag from the cwf and and a, a huge amount of responses mags haven't we we have yeah uh yet again the the cwf knock it out of the park with with the replies uh you guys yeah. are absolutely amazing 100 100 uh i will much to magsy's joy run through them in the order they came into us so that to you i suppose you- is just Bastard. <laughs> uh, the first response we received was from our good friend Connor in the chat at Connor Knows Footy on Twitter. He says, As a kid, I always wanted to be a sports broadcaster, calling games in the booth like the guys on TV. Growing up on the voices of my childhood, like Al Michaels and Chris Collinsworth on NBC Sunday night in American football, Brett Musburger and Kirk Herbstreet. Some of these names can't be real. <laughs> really? Is Herb Street and Musburger real? They must be. Okay. <laughs> yeah, they must burger be. They must um, burger be. 
Yes, the only one that's, that's normal there is Al Mackles. Yeah. Yeah, there's some funny names there, isn't there? Anyway, uh, with Saturday Night Football, and when the full day of college football always ended up in a highly anticipated top 25 matchup, Brett would always say, you are looking live at a sold-out Enter Stadium named City and State here. My okay. other idols were Gus Johnston and Joel Klatt, who called noon kickoff games on, fo- on Fox. On Fox? On that's Fox, a totally, yeah. That's a totally different that's- kind of football. That's, that's a whole different channel. You've got to pay for that one. Oh, you're going to be as rude as you like with me. <laughs> Gus Johnson is known for his high energy and excitement when big plays took place. I still have this dream today, and I have had the great opportunity to call high school basketball games last winter with comparisons between me and the legend Gus J. Ah, oh, fair play. That's good. Well, if it's something you dreamt of as a kid and you get an opportunity, that's awesome, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I don't know any of them people, um, but... I don't watch a lot of American sports, uh, but the fact that he's able to um, go and call some uh, some high school basketball games and really get into uh, like making that first step into into being a sports contestant, good on you, Connor. Well done. Mm. Nothing, yeah, absolutely absolutely. nothing wrong with with chasing your dreams, sir. Go for no, it. Definitely not. Definitely not. Well done. I imagine there's some of those guys we may recognise their voices potentially, uh, just because if they've been doing it for a, a long time, maybe. If if I have heard of someone called Kirk Herbstreet, I would have remembered. Okay. <laughs> uh, Dan Griffin, at Dan Griffin 21 on Twitter. He says, as a kid, I had the typical thing of being a footballer or pro sportsman. Had a brief time wanting to be a Power Ranger. Fair enough. The pink one. <laughs> um, <laughs> Why is that tickled you so much? <laughs> no, it's just... It's just the typical one of being a footballer. Yeah, I get that. Sportsman, absolutely. And then I wanted to be a Power Ranger. Brilliant. It's just amazing. <laughs> oh, man. As I got older, I realised I was good at languages, so maybe an interpreter. Then I found I liked writing, so studied journalism. Turns out journalism is an industry I wasn't cut out for, so floated around working retail for too long before landing various roles in travel. I still don't have a career stroke calling, so my only goal in life is to work, to live, and enjoy my life outside of the workplace to the fullest. That's, that's fair a, enough, mate. That's a great goal. Absolutely don't great give goal. Up. Don't yeah. give up on that Power Ranger dream, though. <laughs> you could be the Brown Ranger the br- if you really brown. wanted to. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Because it's the worst colour. <laughs> the Beige Ranger. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the Grey Ranger. <laughs> <laughs> the, yeah, the the grey ranger. That's perfect for Dan. The grey yeah, ranger. Uh, at Scottish Juggalo on Twitter, Scottish Danny, our good friend there. He says, as a kid, I really wanted to work with animals. So fresh out of school, I began working at a local farm and really loved it. Best oh, part cool. was, yeah, best part was walking the ferrets with a lead. And he's got a few <laughs> pictures he's shown us there of Danny looking after the rabbits and the guinea pigs and so on. Yeah, that's awesome. Walking the ferrets. 15 years ago. 15, eh? Bloody hell. Walking the ferrets, man. I I know people have got ferrets and that, but it's never a pet that sort of appealed to me. Are they a bit heavy? Yeah. um, When I was a really small, uh, my my family had ferrets and they once escaped from the cage and went on a killing rampage around the the neighbourhood, killing people's pet rabbits and, and things like that. So, yeah, they... They're not the best of, of pets to have, but they do look cool on a little harness and lead. 
Well, that's why that ferret was so dangerous. They didn't have Danny on a lead on the other end of it. Exactly. I wish I'd have known that. Then I could mm. have roped Danny in to to come away from like stabbing and murdering people in Camden Town to to <laughs> ferret babysit. Stabbing and murdering people, for goodness' sake! Uh, our good friend Tolly at Rain Counter on Twitter. Always, I, I say it every week now because it seems he is getting inv- more and more involved every week. I, I love the fact that he is tweeting into the show and is a uh, well back on Twitter. I guess uh, mm-hmm. Tolly says I wanted to be a game show host. Okay, I'd invent loads cool. of game shows and make my family take part. I bet they fucking hate. Make them. Them. <laughs> that was the that was the that was the the defining word. You made them take part. Yeah. They did not want. That was definitely done ag- against their will. Yeah, he took the batteries out of the remote, turned the telly off. They got no choice. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> Lots of bits of card and paper with this shitty and in the chair and a tie, like yeah. And, yeah, um, with a suit and tie on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh Tolly says it's frustrating because I can't come up with any creative ideas these days. That's also very true. Is he's, it? Yeah, he's not good with ideas or booking or research, anything like that. Oh, uh, okay. He's like any... you. He's like a Whoa. beardless, beardless. <laughs> Sad. What do you mean he's like me? I come up with loads of ideas, mate. I mean, most of them are shite, but I come, I come out of loads of them. <laughs> uh, Tolly continues. Then, as a young teenager, I wanted to be in a band, write a song to perform at WrestleMania, and meet Stephanie McMahon. That's a very specific career path he's got laid out in his mind there, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> most people who like want to be in bands, it, their aim is to get, what, a number one or go on tour and have, like do stadiums. Paul specifically wanted to... The heart of his career would be performing at rest. The heart of his career is being Salava or being uh, <laughs> Limp Biscuit or Machine Gun Kelly or Pitbull. Florida. He wanted to be Florida and perform at a WrestleMania. He effectively wants to be the piss break at WrestleMania. <laughs> what a dream. Oh, here comes that Welsh fellow with his guitar. I'm going to go get a drink. That's, that's yeah. the way it would go. <laughs> uh, following, then fo- <laughs> I then followed the natural progression to wanting to be an accountant. Yeah, that makes sense. I have no idea why and wish I could have had a word with my late teen self. Okay, fair enough. I know our lips wants to be an accountant. That's one of the things that's in her mind she wants to do when she's older. So, look yeah. at what she could be. No, let's this not. this is your future, <laughs> live. If you become an accountant, this. Oh, Tolly, we love you, mate. <laughs> we ben do. at witticisms of Ben on Twitter. Hello, sir. Hello. He says he oh, wanted to be ben. a chef. Yes. He says he wanted to be a chef. And then he realized how antisocial the hours were. And at 15, that was a big old thing. But he taught himself to cook anyway. Yeah, that's good. I mean, just being a chef, if that's of an interest, you know, it's good that you carried on and went into cooking at some level, I guess, isn't it? Well, otherwise he probably would die of, of starvation. Well, no, you can all just eat. You ain't got to be a what, gourmet cardboard? chef. No, not car- you ain't got to be a gourmet chef to feed yourself, have you? You know? I'm not a great cook at all, but you look at the size of my gut. I eat well, you know. <laughs> Brilliant. Brilliant. Uh, our good buddy all the way from Australia, the other side of the globe, at Mango underscore Chris on Twitter. Has a trouble with young people these days. Rude, scruffy, ignorant, moral, straight out of the gutter. He says, in the words of John Lennon, 
I wanted to be happy. And no one, and no, never came close. Otherwise, I actually wanted to wrestle. I thought I could have, I, I would have thought most of us did at one point. Sorry. As I was in my late teens, the UK wrestling scene was few and far between at that time. Now, I questioned this, obviously, talking about the UK wrestling you know, scene at that age because he lives on, on Ramsey Street and he's the other side of the globe. But, you know, apparently he could have made that long commute. So, fair play to him. That's commitment to his wrestling training, Magsy. I mean, that is absolute commitment. Doing a 6,000-mile trip every single week to, to go mm-hmm. to wrestling training. Amazing. If you want a committed trainee, everyone should go and sign Mr. Mangle. Right away. Rob. <laughs> Rob, at UTT Rob on Twitter. He says, I remember wanting to be a dentist because my mum worked next door to the dentists and they all drove Porsches. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that that's fair. I suppose if, if you want a Porsche, be a dentist. Could you not just do another job and get a Porsche? As a kid, though, you don't you don't kind of like do that okay. breakaway of thought. You see a dentist driving a Porsche, you think that must be the the car for dentists. Fair enough. Fair enough. I wonder if I was at Yankee had a Porsche. <laughs> <laughs> you know, he wasn't a real dentist, are you? He was burnt what? horrifically in a fire. Oh uh, well, no, that was after. <laughs> and then he took the mask off. Well, yeah, if, if you follow the, the Katie Vick storyline, yeah, he was mm-hmm. clearly not burned as a kid in a fire in his parents' funeral home. Yeah, obviously. Yeah, but then when he took the mask off, there were no burns, so it was all in his head. He could have carried on his career in dentistry and owned even maybe more than one Porsche. It could have, yeah. And he also I had think. black black curly hair as well as uh, mm. attached to his mask, so there is that. Yeah. I blame poor Bearer, manipulative bastard. <laughs> you won't you won't be a dentist <laughs> that really hurt that, uh, that I, hurt. i'm your dad i burn you all in a fire um <laughs> but can you have a look at this filling for me mate <laughs> <laughs> uh rob continues as an adult now i'm convinced i had lots of unnecessary dental work growing up which is probably why they all had porsches fair enough <laughs> <laughs> can you rob as a dentist he would just like con all his family into into getting dental work just so he could get to that porsche the thing is with dentists right obviously unless you've got you know a private nhs dentist or whatever if you're lucky enough to be on on, on that sort of end of things you just pay what they say when they say to pay it don't you there's mm-hmm. no one really checking if you need that stuff done I mean, don't get me wrong. There's going to be times when you know you're you tougher, so they got to sort it out, of course. But they turn around and go, oh, "Let's let's give you a checkup." Oh yeah, well, your K, what's it, and your you know your back forty nine or whatever is looking a bit manky. We have got to do this, this, and this, and then charge you three hundred quid. You don't know, do you? It, it's worse when they go, "Oh, we'll come in, we'll give you a scale and a polish, and it costs you like eighty quid." And all they do is basically scrape your teeth with the the metal hook thing. You think, mm. I could have done that at home. Give me one of them. I'll do it myself for 80 quid. Yeah. I bet you could buy those metal hooks on eBay or just sharpen a tent peg. In fact, we'll all go yeah. into like amateur dentistry and we'll yeah. all draft fucking Porsches. Let's do it, man. Let's do it. We're doing I it. Just hope, 
This is the I last know. episode of Chain Wrestling now. We're becoming <laughs> dentists. <laughs> Next week on SJP World Media, nine o'clock live. Dentistry live with Mags and Stone. Steve O at Total Steve O on Twitter. Everybody say what time is it? Steve O. He says, immediately I remember, must have been year five or six, asked to draw what you wanted to do. So at school, I'm assuming he's asked to draw what he wants to do as a career and oh, so on. It was his mum. His mum asked him. What? It, it wasn't. There was a, a poor effort at a joke. Yeah, well, don't it, do that, because that completely threw me then. I was so confused. <laughs> As if I knew. Like, no, I knew the real story, the backstory of Steve Orr. Yeah. Uh, they were all asked in year five or six uh, what you wanted to do with your life. Uh, well, was never a of what? He well, wanted to be a part of the the SWAT team. Okay, right. Okay, I can't, well, I'm not understanding that properly. Or the SR19, yes. which is the, the English version. Right, okay. Thank you, Maxie. Uh, the armed response, yeah, he says here. To think 30 years later, I'm obsessed with the bill that regularly has SO19 used and policing is something I've always been interested in about. It shows like the bill, line of duty, that highlights more how I'd like to join. By pure coincidence, my mate is training now to be a police officer. And the... What's that? What's that the stress from... Oh, the stress from training. Look, I just want to clear up for people on the audio version. I can read. Sa but, has had a stroke. He's forgotten <laughs> how to read. There's a few autocorrects that have popped up in Steve-O's tweets this week, so it's kind of throwing me a little bit, to be fair. And the stress from training, I literally have a Bill story to share. Okay. Uh, when at secondary school and did work experience, aged 14, at a guess, I worked in my newsagents. Said in the report that I wanted to work in retail. 15 years in retail, I want to get the fuck out and we're discouraged. <laughs> oh wow <laughs> i would discourage anyone thinking of going in an abysmal industry so a decade and a half later steve-o's like nah mate not for me so no. he did work experience in a paper shop the report said he'd do really well in retail in the end it was sticking it out for 15 years and detests every days in it brilliant <laughs> Yeah, man. I, I worked <sighs> at a paper shop years and years and years ago. I worked at a paper shop. That's graft, mind. That's really early was starts, it? lumping all the papers around, everything. It's, it's graft. So you worked at a paper shop or you was did a paper round? No, I, well, I had a paper round much previous to that, but I worked in a paper shop uh, in the last 10 years, to be fair, sort of maybe seven or eight years ago. Yeah, eight, eight nine years ago, maybe. And I used to open up and sometimes I'd shut the shop as well, but... It's hard work, mate, because you get all, you know, especially on the weekend when you get all the um the inserts in the papers. They don't do that for you. You got to do that yourself. So you got to find the room to lay it all out, and there's, there's stacks of paper you're lumping around, plus all oh, the tell, the rest of the deliveries and all that. Eh? Tell them to fuck off. Tell them to fuck. Yeah, well, that was kind of what I was getting paid to do, though. So <laughs> <laughs> just read the paper. Tell everyone the news when they come in. So you don't need to buy one. This is what happened yeah. today in the news. Blah, 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 blah. Now fuck off. <laughs> like eric bischoff at the beginning of monday nitro just, <laughs> yeah just give away the results giving all the spoilers away and this happened in israel and there's a war going on over here and in the sports section there's this yeah you know? <laughs> and there's a bird on page three with a cracking pair 
Yeah. Okay, there you go. Now give me a 45p. Off you go, pal. <laughs> you <know? laughs> Uh, James at 80s and 90s wrestling he says when he was younger I had a Lee Evans VHS comedian not the footballer uh, the highlights of Lee Evans the footballer Jesus <laughs> that would be quite a short cassette <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> four minutes <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh, I had a um, uh, one of these 501 greatest goals videos back in the day, like the old VHS tapes, right? But it was from the old Football League. It was before the Premier League existed and stuff. And from there, I thought Mickey Quinn was like one of the best centre-forwards ever because he, he was like he had loads of goals on this 501 Greatest Goals thing. So I started looking out for stuff with Mickey Quinn and I ended up with, from a, a car boot or a jumbo sale or something, Mickey Quinn's goals for Newcastle or Mickey Quinn's goals for Coventry. And it's really shitty made you know, VHS tape. It turns out it was just 35 minutes of him scoring tappings and penalties is the worst <laughs> thing I've ever seen. <laughs> and, and eating pies at half time. Exactly. <laughs> uh, James says, yes, uh, it was a VHS tape of Lee Evans, the comedian, not the footballer. From watching it, I wanted to be a comedian. Did routines in front of family, pre-mobile phone days, thank fuck. <laughs> I'm not funny and hate speaking to crowds. I cringe looking back. It makes me want to punch myself. <laughs> so so it, it took the same route as Tolly. Basically, bullied and cajoled his family into putting up with his bullshit because he thought he was going to be a comedian. Yeah, basically. They could have done like a double bill, couldn't they? He could have opened <laughs> for the game show. Yeah, he could, he could have been the 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 opener for for or Paul Tolley's band at WrestleMania. Could have yeah. Been that. yeah, yeah. You know, if, if if there's like a really dangerous match between I don't know Cactus Jack who's lost his memory and and whatever on WrestleMania, and it's quite a dark moment. You're gonna get a comedian, eh? Lighten the mood before Tolly plays a bit of music for everyone to go to the bar. <laughs> <laughs> Tolly and his Manic Street Preachers tribute band. I wonder what Tolly's band would have been called. I hope he's listening. He tweets the Tollygons. The Tollygons. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Cam at Cam Griff ninety two on Twitter. He says, "On a family holiday, when I was maybe nine or ten, I announced to my family I really wanted to be a taxi driver when I grew up." <laughs> I announced, <laughs> "Family, gather round, gather round." <laughs> Everyone. I shall be a taxi driver. <laughs> Everyone to the meeting room, please. Um, <laughs> ding, dong, ding. Hear ye, hear ye. <laughs> uh, Cam says, this dream was quickly shunned by my old man, saying they don't keep all the money they take off you. So obviously, you know, it, it wasn't a passion for ferrying drunk idiots around at late at night, stinking a kebab and vomit. It was all about the money, Cam, wasn't it? Yeah, you you capitalist. You got what you deserve, Cam. Yeah, there you go. This is how people end up and being why, and but, booty man. But then still, why a taxi driver? Because the taxi drivers you tend to pay like in shrapnel, in change. Do you? Why would, yeah, well, yeah. Do you not? I mean, nowadays you probably don't because petrol prices have gone through the roof. Well, yeah. Um, but yeah, it'd be like, oh, that costs four quid. It's for four quid and have a, a quid tip. So which would be a fiver. So that's not change, is it? Yeah, but you get it rid of your shrapnel in a taxi. That's the whole point. Okay. 
you must be really popular when you're getting home from time. <laughs> yeah, wait, <laughs> 10p, 20p. Mags, you're getting his little plastic bags out from the bank and counting out the five p's. <laughs> Ironically, they changed the father on purpose to pay the taxi driver. Oh, man. God's sake. Cam continues. Uh, heading into secondary school, I already knew I wanted to, some sort of trade to learn. Uh, plumbing was my first thought, but again, quickly put down by my uncle, telling me tales of being shoulder deep in feces. <laughs> Brilliant. Brilliant. My... I mean, you could have been star of the YouTube channel that me and the wife are obsessed with, where they clean out shitty drains. That could have been mm. you, Cam. It could have. It could have. <laughs> Isn't that a, a, a quite a scary and glorious thought? Um, <laughs> Cam also says uh, he finished his apprenticeship and have been in construction ever since. Although now I'm a glorified postman and sit behind a desk, then swan off around sight in my shirt and high vis, making sure I'm looking busy and I know what I'm doing. Geez, felt like Steve on this non-wrestling topic. He says. <laughs> Cam, Cam continues. Yeah, Cam continues. No, that's it for him. That's it for him. Uh, but yeah, so he's he's one of the the, the shirt and high vis jobs on the building site now. Look, the 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 wanker that everybody hates. Like, oh come on, Whoa. let's pretend. Yeah, I mean, I'm not saying that he's a wanker, but then people in general are the wankers that all the staff are. They're like, you lean on your spade for a few hours, then the gaffer comes round with his clipboard, and then you have to pretend you're working, don't you? Well, I suppose. You're really cross at him for like in the booty man, aren't you? This really fired you up. Wow. <laughs> it, it, it's triggered me. It's it absolutely has. triggered me. It has. Cam, you, you want to be careful, mate. Max, he's fired up, bud. Uh, Anya, my <laughs> eldest cleared daughter. He's cleared up. He, he's not a health and safety knob. Well, then, you, you're back in the good book now. <laughs> Brilliant stuff. <laughs> Anya on Twitter, my eldest daughter, she says, I wanted to be a dancer. I got close and did cheerleading for a year or two, but I get told often i would be good as a news reporter and i'm very interested in it well it's a career to look at isn't it you know i know Anya also has done some photography at school and college as well and she's very good at that and mm-hmm. i remember Anya doing the cheerleading and charlie also did cheerleading with her and they're both very good and, and the, the, the sort of cheerleading is it called a troop trope gang the club the, the school i think it is the troop cheerleading okay. troop um they they were great they was they were excellent with the girls and so many different ages and that yeah it was great it's a real shame i don't know if covid knocked it on the head or whatever but i don't think they're going anymore which is a real shame because so many girls would go there at different ages and, and so on yeah <laughs> really really good they were so yeah that's a shame and i know both my my well two of my girls there charlie and anya live is more interested in you know other sports but charlie and anya really really enjoyed going so yeah it's a shame really but yeah but he's, she's, he's still, me, she's still young enough that she can chase those dreams. So don't uh, don't get bogged down. Um, plow at it, keep at it, and I'm sure that if 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 it's meant to be, you will get there. So yeah, don't give up on your dreams. Exactly, exactly. I mean, I'm I'm 41 now, and I'm very lucky that I've started a job that I like because it took mm-hmm. me 20 freaking years to find one. Exactly. You know, and I would still so, rather maybe be doing other things, but I love the job I've got. So. Search <laughs> pretty put right in your place. Sharon in my wife Sharon in the, in chat. the chat. Sad they haven't gone there for years. And Charlie was tiny when they stopped. Okay. Wow. You you've got I didn't mean I didn't mean when the girls stopped. I meant when the club stopped. Have you been powerbombed on some exposed concrete and had a, a amnesia a cactus jack style yeah. amnesia? Yeah, maybe. Because <laughs> to be fair, he, he looked a little bit like you. 
Did mm. do you have tales of your laugh at sea? I I I went on a ferry once. <laughs> I went on a ferry once. We went to um, Holland with a, a school trip, and it's like uh, I, I always say I've never been abroad because you can't really take advantage of Amsterdam when you're twelve, can you? You know, so it's that kind well, of scenario there. The two major reasons why you go to Amsterdam, yeah, twelve year old, you'd be fairly prohibited. Yeah, exactly, exactly. I remember going around the ferry and thinking, well, there, there was just kids all over the place on the school trip, and nowadays oh, it wouldn't happen fucking murder oh you gotta have a certain number of teachers to certain number of kids night back then it was almost like they would just you know open the doors and go go on then make sure you're back here when <laughs> and when we're back close on land. the door behind you and wave yeah. you off because <laughs> uh, there was Goodbye, just carnage <laughs> there was just carnage kids everywhere and somehow um a couple of these kids 12 13 years of age we were i don't know if they bought some or they nicked them but they had a couple of packs of Benson and Edges. And I remember them being Benson and Edges because there was the gold pack that my parents smoked when I was a kid. And I remember them smoking at the back of this, at the back of the ferry, not the back of the bus, at the back of the ferry, leaning over the water, hoping that nobody would notice them smoking these cigarettes and everyone just getting pig sick. So yeah, you know, that's, that's my tale of being at sea, I suppose. A crafty fag on the <laughs> exactly. back of the ferry. <laughs> at the back of the ferry. <laughs> uh, at Chris one on Twitter. He says, it might sound weird, but I had no idea what career I wanted when I grew up. The only thing I wanted to be was a dad. Sounds strange, but that was it. I mean, how can it be to have a child and not bail on them when they are young? Fair okay. play. Absolutely yeah. nothing wrong with that. And now look at look at Chris. What a dream he had. And he's now uh, Lord of the Manor. He's got acres and acres and he's got deer running around his estate. He has. Yeah, it's in that big cavernous hall that he records in when he when he's guest on podcasts, and he then also did mention that he did have a uh, an ambition when he was younger. He wanted to be an ozone layer. Apparently, I don't get that. No. What, is that <laughs> is that some kind of joke, a London thing I've missed or something? Or <laughs> did they have an ozone layer? I thought they had a smog layer uh, in mm. London. Yeah. yeah, I don't know, mate. I don't know. I don't get that. Chris, you have to elaborate on the ozone thing, my friend. Or maybe you were just a weird thing. kid. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he does support Millwall, so there is that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But then that's that's where he's from, so I can kind of appreciate that, I guess. You know? Mm-hmm. But yeah, that's 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 it for Twitter, my friend. That's that's all we got this week. Thank fuck for that. <laughs> what about you, Maxi? What was your dream growing up? How however pie in the sky and huge, or even then when you decided realistically career wise what you wanted to do? What what were your options? So I from a, a a very young child, I always wanted to be a doctor, and actually came pretty close as well. Uh, went to college, got uh, got the A levels that I needed. Uh, oh, went right. to Man- went, went to Manchester uh, School of Medicine for a couple of years. Um, then I got really really ill, um, where I had to kind of like almost have a full year of uh, of university off. Um, and it meant that I would was way too far behind, and I would have to pretty much start the course again. And by then, I discovered discovered drinking and bills and stuff like that. So yeah, to go into the the amazing world of work, which yeah, never never do that. Never go into the world of work. It's 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 soul destroying. 
Yeah, it is. It is. Yeah, me. that that was the year I lost my legs. <laughs> Five minutes go in the chat. Brilliant. <laughs> yeah, that that was uh, that was always my ambition to be a to be a doctor, and yeah, I was on the way to achieving it. When, ironically, I couldn't cure my own illness. <laughs> Why? So I, I was a know, shit doctor. Do you know? Was there anything that triggered that? Then was it either like a particular episode of Casualty or something? No, I think it was just um, maybe family like put it in in my head uh, because I was really like really clever at school, uh, got really good grades and stuff like that. So it was one of those you could be anything you want. You could be a doctor. Uh, so yeah, I think it was just that and. Yeah, I went on to try and, and push for it. So that's why I say to people, never give up on your dreams because you never know that how far your dreams can end up taking you. So, mm. Yeah. So keep it up, people. Yeah, fair point, mate. Fair point. Uh, mine are relatively standard, I guess, when it comes to sort of big pie-in-the-sky dreams. There was ob- the obvious one, you know, with my musical leanings, I wanted to be in a band. A lot of people go through that. the The only big issue with that was I'm, I'm shit at everything, so I couldn't. Uh, <laughs> Maxi choking again. <laughs> I was coughing then, and you made me laugh. <laughs> Sorry, mate. Um, I, I I could play a tiny little bit of guitar, knock out a few chords, but nothing, any, nowhere near anything re- relevant to play any songs or anything like that. My lad can play guitar, and he is fantastic. And I just look at him and think, man, you're amazing. You also, deep down, I'm like, you little shit. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and, and why don't you be in a band? Nah, <laughs> not for me, Dad. Nah, yeah, whatever. <laughs> you bastard. Uh, I used to talent. I, I sang for maybe two months in a band. We never got past the rehearsing stage, and it was a case of we'd rehearse early Sunday mornings when we get the space for nothing. And I was going out Saturday night, getting shit faced, and not turning up, and all that sort of stuff. And I was just a waster, mate. So, and, and also, and I was shit at it. <laughs> yeah, that was a, that was probably looking back. That was probably a bigger hindrance, to be fair. <laughs> yeah, because you do with a, a an instrument, you can kind of hide behind your rest mm. of bandmates and just pretend. With a singer, you you have to nail that. That's on you yeah. to do. So, yeah, yeah, that was it. So, yeah, that was that. Um, there was obviously that you know I played a lot of football when I was younger, and I mean I was ne- like I've said I've said before on the show. I mean I was never a good footballer, but I've always been quite big, but not fat like I am now. I was trim, but quite big and strong, and I was always very quick. So. I, I always seemed to get in teams because of, I was quick and I was strong and all that. So yeah. I used to just work hard. So that sort of carried me so far. But when you got to a level when you actually needed ability as well, you were that's what kind, kind of fucked me up. Yeah, you know. <laughs> and um, I remember I, I, I smashed my knee up and that's how I operated on. I was like 19, 20, something like that. And my first touch was never good. And if you haven't got a first t- for a good first touch, you're never going to make it in football at all, is it? But I was so quick that if I had a bad first touch, I'd get there before anyone else anyway. So I kind of got away with it. When I did my knee in, so, I lost a bit of zip. One shot of Gloucester. Exactly, exactly. When I did my knee in, um, I lost that little zipper pace. So all of a sudden, my first touch was so bad, I couldn't get there. And I was like, do you know what? I'm actually really shit at this. <laughs> <laughs> It's a revelation. I am terrible at football. Yeah. My first touch used to go further than some kids could pass the ball. 
you know, it's, <laughs> it's that kind of level. Uh, and then the obvious one as well, my whole life since I was about eight or nine years of age when I first discovered it, um, is, is I wanted to be a wrestler or involved in wrestling somehow. I've always wanted to do that. As I've got older, my mindset has changed a little bit and I've done a bit of commentary and I love that because I was just involved with with wrestling companies or whatever that was you know that that was great but the idea of actually wrestling was always there in the back of my mind and it's got to that point now at the age i'm at i'm thinking okay that ship has definitely sailed now because i'm fat old and broken you know <laughs> but again you, you, even even as recent as my 30s wrestling schools are popping up around me and i'm thinking oh could Should i, I? Should I? But no, nah, that ship, I'm very old, fat and broken. So that ship has definitely sailed, Magsy, my friend. So essentially what I got from pretty much all of your mm-hmm. your stories then was that you can be anything you want, but you need skill in, yeah. in that, that field. And mm-hmm. you can only go so far without that. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I mean, it's okay to dream, but if you're shit at it, Probably not gonna go very far. Dream realistically. <laughs> Dream realistic. Oh, there we go. Oh, Dan Griffin in the chat. What's he put there? That's brilliant, Magsy. Says uh we need a, a fat old broken as a t-shirt in the live, laugh, love font. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay, we'll do it. I'll make one up. And, if people are gonna buy it, then, do it. Bob Nerds and Dan both coming with the same joke that you are Lukaku in disguise. Yeah, uh, difference is though, Lukaku, you know, he takes his shirt off. He, he's put together and he looks amazing. I take my shirt off. I look like a bowl of blancmange that someone's half spilled. Like you look like a, <laughs> a Lukaku candle that's been melted. Yeah, exactly. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Maxi, is there anything else in the chat we should have a look at before we actually get round to talking a bit of wrestling? Because obviously we are a wrestling podcast. Allegedly. Um, so Sharon says that, uh, that Liv only wants to be an accountant. You did say it was Liv, didn't you? Um, yes. Because of the money. So yeah, they're cap- cap- capitalist again. Uh, Dan saying uh, retail is the drizzling shit. And Cam said he volunteered at a charity shop when he was younger. It was class. They let him straight onto the till. How much did you steal? How much money Ooh. did you steal from that till? I'll tell you what, charity shops, though, Maxie, every now and again, well, I've done it for a long time, to be fair, but there's loads in Gloucester loads that they're, they're bloody every shot gloucester, me. gloucester city center right everything is closing down in gloucester city center because it's a shit same as burner same right? as burner but we've got the keys we've got gloucester docks and that's being all developed and you've got all the posh shops out there and that's lovely the cinemas out there some nice bars out there that's a real nice area you walk 15 minutes into time it's a dump you know it looks like it looks like what you imagine the center of liverpool to potentially look like you know scum everywhere um <laughs> <laughs> oh dear 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 Brilliant. but what's left in gloucester now is coffee shops charity shops and pine shops the exact same three that is all over burner yeah literally all over burner you can literally go pound shop coffee shop charity shop yeah. pound shop coffee shop charity shop but every now and again bookies, I used to... bookies as well oh yeah pound loads shop. of bookies yeah. loads of bookies yeah every now and again though i used to go on a little wander through all the charity shops because sometimes you can find some absolute gems in there there's one day i went in there and you i root for all the records somebody had obviously just got rid of all of their hard rock albums and i came out with like 15 vinyls for i don't know for like 75p or something stupid like that 
and there was like classic motorhead poison motley crew all sort of fantastic you know most of the time it's like engelbert fucking humperdinck or whatever you know but every now and again you get that one day where somebody has sold some good shit. yeah it's worth it pal it's worth it i'll, I'll take your word for it <laughs> anyway back to the chat uh yeah sorry we've got dan griffin i mean you you if you want to reminisce about your your days uh hunting through charity shops you are more than welcome to just on your own time so dan griffin has said the Tolygons, uh paul's band and their hit song oxo munching no what it's not oxos we, we've gone through this it's no stock cubes oh we Sign did that out. on the show didn't we we did, and it was the worst thing that we've ever done. Man, I totally forgot we'd done that. That was because the salt hell. rotted your brain. That was yeah, that one was of the worst. I felt so ill. Yeah, it was grim. I yeah. had a full one as well. Not yeah, like you, you just had a nibble. <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, we have uh, Cam uh, saying he was butter boy. Guys, come on, all about that cash money again. Taxi drivers, they don't come off as somebody who, who would be affluent, do they? They have to work ridiculous hours to make a, a wage. And Cam well, saying, cars, that, yeah, owned by the taxi company. No, some of them, like, you know, they work from the rank and that, but they got nice cars, haven't they? That's their own private car, like. Well, I certainly wouldn't have a nice car and drive it around as a taxi. I'm not, unless you were Ubering. Suppose, no, I suppose, yeah. I've never anyway, used an Uber. You would not like the prices, would I not? That's why. Okay, no, ridiculous. <laughs> um, Cam Griffin saying that drain clearing videos are unreal. Yeah, there's honestly they they're so addicting. So you need to watch that. Are you going to sleep? Again? You need to watch a shitty drain getting unblocked. It's just. It's just immense. Oh, I'll have nightmares about it being in the bed and stuff, though. And, <laughs> what, you know. Do it whilst you're drinking like, some Horlicks or some Ovaltine. Right. No, and I won't. No. <laughs> Dan's saying that Cam is a fully, fully a wanker, though. So I was right in the first place. Uh, Cam's saying, feels, uh, feels worse than upsetting my own father making me RA this week. The thing with me is I've got a very short memory. I can be very mad ridiculously bad at something one minute and then totally forget about it the next so you, you're good cam you have i to forgot what he's on about to be honest yeah i am <laughs> <laughs> oh that, that's where you got uh rinse from sharon saying that mm-hmm. uh the kids hadn't been to cheerleading for years uh connor uh says here in the states they are competitive uh cheer and school cheer from uh from what he's seen looks like it takes a lot and uh he wouldn't uh wouldn't try it but it does look interesting yeah i've got a few uh american uh friends on the various social medias who are they 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 kind of push their kids into doing like uh competitive cheerleading it's very yeah it's 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 very competitive like ridiculously mm. competitive connor also says that amsterdam is the the puff capital of the world and he puts puff in in speech bubble speech marks i assume he means puff as in like marijuana the the marijuana the devil's I I wouldn't know about about that about uh, anything to do with the 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 sexy cabbage or anything like that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the sexy cabbage. 
Cameron Dan uh, when uh, said about uh, you guys having a, a crafty fag on the back of the ferry. It says it's a different kind of crafter this week, better than a CWF crafter at the back of the ferry. Hey, you never know. <laughs> Unless you are like going into the wind, then obviously you're going to get splashback. Mm. That, this, you know, you... seawater is salty, so maybe... <laughs> so when it's know. all like, dripping down your face, you go, it was the seawater. <laughs> I have definitely not been masturbating on the back of this boat, <laughs> and you can't prove a thing. <laughs> Oh, oh man. So five nerds go. Matt uh, says, My work colleague said he looks like Dr. Robotnik when I was walking around <laughs> the forecourt on the CCT the other day, and I don't know whether to be uh, offended or happy. Oh, well, I, I can't help you there. Did, did you have the like crazy, like ginger spiked hair and mustache as well? Is Dr. Dr. Robotnik the one from Sonic? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I know who you mean. Uh, Sharon says, Black John Cena looks angry above Sam. Black, Black John. Oh, yeah, wow. that's Darren Young. He looks like John Cena. Really? Do you think? Yeah, facially. He's like, he looks so much like John Cena. He really does, mate. Okay. And once it's pointed out to you, I didn't get it. But then once it's pointed out to you, you'll never unsee it. It's just there. He looks like John Cena. I don't see it. <laughs> but uh, he does have a very. Um, Wild hairstyle. It looked like he's been in a wind tunnel for a, a long, long time. Uh, Cam says uh, he's not the embezzler from Morty and Fitchpod. I'm an honest Yorkshire gentleman, Mr. Max. How dare you? <laughs> and Anya says we went charity shopping on on her on her 18th. Yeah, a- yeah. Anya lives with uh, her mum, who is you know an ex of mine from from a long way back, and we meet up on her birthday and around Christmas and so on. And we go for something to eat, do a bit of shopping. And it's quite a nice time. It's like I sort of dropped into being our regular thing for her birthday. And this year we did the same usual shops and a bit of grub and then just wandered around charity shops chatting. It was bloody lovely. You, I mean, on her 18th birthday as well, you, you rolled out the barrel and said, come on, Anya, we'll go charity shop. You you, (laughs) You can have anything you want as long as it costs a pound. I'll tell you what, the money was spent in other shops when it was my money. <laughs> but that's fine. It was her birthday. That's the way it goes. And Anya, Anya did go uh, out in, in time clubbing that night and did ask him all to go with her. But honestly, the idea of going nightclubbing now scares the piss out of me. Especially yeah. when I see my, I could potentially see my 18 year old in there, my 19 year old lad in there. I want no part of that. That's no, exactly. you, you go and have fun. I want no part of that. I'm too old for that nonsense. Especially when they go out at the time that you would normally be going to bed. That's when yeah. they start their nap. Yeah, that, you know, they're going out at like half 11, 12 o'clock at night because they have pre-drinks <laughs> or whatever. That's not Burnley. Know? In Burnley, you start the pre-drinks at like one o'clock in the morning. Really? Yeah. And people people literally wander in at like dinner time from, from the bars. We've got a 24-hour uh, alcohol license in Burnley as well. That's insane, man. A 24-hour alcohol, man. If I was a single man living in Burnley, I'd be dead. Mm-hmm. It's it's grim. It's absolutely grim. Um, Dan wants to know if uh, you have nightmares of shit in the bed. Uh, is that something you suffer with on the regular because you don't want to watch uh, videos of, of drains being unblocked? No, I get... Especially if I've had something to eat before going to bed quite late. 
certain foods, right? I mean, well, you're not eating that chocolate mousse or that chicken tikka masala, right? Just hear me out, okay? Sharon says I'm not allowed now to have anything spicy after seven o'clock, first of all, because it makes me have crazy dreams. And also, I end up coughing a lot and I'm almost sick because like acid reflux and all that, you know? Okay. Right? Because I'm getting old. And also, certain wood melt the paint off the wall. And, and also um, cheese and stuff. If I eat cheese just before going to bed, it messes me head up. So if I watch, say, um, is, that, there's an is that the devil's cheese? Like the, the some, devil, yeah. sex cheese. <laughs> <laughs> but I, uh, for example, I watched an episode, a couple of episodes of uh, Doctor Who that had spiders in it. The bad guys were spiders. I woke up in the night yelling, thinking spiders were all over me in my bed. And I'd had a bit of cheese on toast before going to bed. So these sort of yeah. things happen. Or if, if that, you know... I've, I've woke up in the night before thinking that, so, that there's a serial killer on a channel five documentary I watched was in my room and I could see him, you know, now it's not, not really him. He's in prison, but it was so vivid, you know, and it, I must, it must be because of the cheese. Look. Okay. So you're equating all that, that, that if you watched whilst in bed, a YouTube video of a drain being unblocked, you would do Sharon, Sharon, there's shit everywhere. <laughs> it's every, it's all on the walls. Possibly. Oh, I'm not, oh, I'm not I had the worst dream ever, Sharon. What? Our <laughs> drains were blocked. Oh, my God. I'm not saying that's exactly what would happen. And I'm not saying it would definitely happen, but there is a chance. That's the thing. <laughs> there's a chance. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, oh, the drains are blocked, <laughs> and we've run out of toilet paper. <laughs> There's shit everywhere. <laughs> oh, brilliant! With sexy cabbage T-shirt incoming. Hashtag <laughs> sexy cabbage. Um, damn, they told me the boat needed plenty of semen. Can you imagine how slippy it would be on that 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 far deck as well? Jesus the Christ. Deck. <laughs> Oh, there's shit everywhere, Sharon. It's pulling me on the ferry. It's all over the poop deck. Oh, I shouldn't have had that baby bell for bed. <laughs> Matt confirms that he didn't have the hair, but he had the moustache and the braces like Dr. Rabani. That's brilliant. You need to tweet us a picture of that, Matt, for, for research purposes. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, and then Scotty said, yep, Cena made a joke of Darren Young looking like him on road. Or in 2010, I don't get it, but I'll have another look when we get to the match. Mm. I suppose it, it's there, mate. Um, it's definitely there. Um, Sharon says, If you were a single man, full stop, you'd be dead. I, I don't yeah, disagree with that. Same here. I mean, I may <laughs> act all I am, Marty, but if it wasn't for Mrs. Mags, I'd, I would be definitely, definitely dead. Uh, and Scotty Daddy said, don't worry, sir, I'm still in prison, not in your room. <laughs> <laughs> that's a that's a horrific dream. Can that you is. imagine waking up to Scottish Danny in your room? <laughs> Sharpening his knife. Just going through the wrestling VHSs. Like. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you had in your house four here somewhere, so where's that? <laughs> You're going to have to. You've got seasoned beatings. You're going to have to die for that. <laughs> oh, Jesus. This is a wrestling show, by the way, folks. It is, apparently so. It is. It is. Uh, is that all we've got then, Magsy? Is that all we got? That is all oh. caught up for now. Okie doke. Shall we talk a little bit of wrestling then, my friend? 
I've had enough for today. I'm going to call it a day now okay. and, and go home. Uh, let's get ready to rumble! Magsie, I want a pole. I know, I bet you had a um, power wank over doing that. Well, I don't think I'd do anything powerfully anymore. <laughs> <laughs> But I was. Yeah, you won. You was. I, I bet you were. I, I said to the uh, to Mrs. Mags that uh, oh, Saz actually won a poll for a while, um, for the first time in a while. And she said, "Oh, wow, have your polls been popular?" I went, yeah, it's what happens when you when you go mental. People vote for you. Well, what I'd like to do now actually is turn to the CWF and say that you've let us down massively because I watched this match back today for the purpose of the show, and I wish Magsy had won. Because this was not fun. <laughs> now, do you know, I don't fully agree with that. Okay. Interesting. Only because, I mean, I hate the result. Mm-hmm. I absolutely hate it. Uh, and I'm sure we'll get to it. But for a, for a multi-man match done by the WWE, I've seen much worse. Yeah, okay. I've seen worse. But also, I've seen better. Yeah, okay. That's fair. You know, but we'll get into it. We'll get into it. Uh, the winner of this week's poll was the match from SummerSlam 2010, 7v7 elimination match, uh, August the 15th, 2010, from the Staples Center at Los Angeles, Nexus versus Team WWE. Now, I've not listed everyone's names with regards to who is in the Nexus and so on, because I'm going to get it wrong over and over again. I'm going to refer to Sheffield as Ryback and so on. People are just going to have to live with it because, mm-hmm. you know, it's just the way it is. Team WWE, they were a little bit more, shall we say, disjointed going into the show with regards to the members of their seven. The Nexus obviously were the, the seven members of the Nexus. They, you, know, you had Wade Barrett as the leader uh, and so on. They were very much portrayed as a combined unit, a team working together after full-time contracts on the WWE main roster. And they were attacking all sorts of people on Monday Night Raw. Uh, Bret Hart was the general manager for a while. They attacked Mm -hmm. him. They even attacked Vince McMahon at one point, I believe. And Justin Gabriel hit a splash on on McMahon uh, in that instant. Cena, they targeted quite a few times. Did they attack Punk as well at one stage? Uh, Punk ends up being the leader of the Nexus. Oh, yes, of course. Yeah. But that, that was kind of the situation. So then we went into SummerSlam with this kind of seven-on-seven seven elimination, almost Survivor Series rules, Magsy, I guess, isn't mm-hmm. it? Yeah. Uh, but the seventh member of Team WWE was supposedly Great Carly. He got took out of the equation by the Nexus, or because he's shit, and they realized that and thought, mm, don't really want to book him in the main event of a pay-per-view. We made a mistake here. Edge and Chris Jericho left the team at one point just to return the following week and say, okay, we're back in. Well, I mean, there were heels at the time. Yes. This, uh, this Team WWE uh, was, uh, well, it was essentially Team Raw because they were all like Raw stars. But it was it was a weird mix of faces and heels. Uh, yeah, it, it kind of didn't really work, I suppose. Mm. Yeah, I mean, sometimes you get really interesting dynamics with that, though, don't you? I mean, you look back to uh, the the whole Alliance invasion stuff in 2001, and you had heels and faces on the same team and heels representing WWF when the WWF was supposed to be 
I suppose, the good guys in that scenario. It can sometimes make for a really interesting dynamic, I think, Mags. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you're right. If if it felt like there was more on the line, mm. uh, but I think with this, it, it didn't kind of have that gravitas because it was only this these few people who were who were involved. And a lot of the other roster carried on with their own storylines. It wasn't like a a whole us versus them uh, WWE. Um, storyline it didn't encompass everyone so um I, th- I think if it was we have to um we have to put aside our differences for the good of the company then yeah it would it worked but this even though michael cole tried to make out that there would go there would be severe consequences if the nexus won it didn't quite have that kind of a finality if if they'd have, have won than mm-hmm. than the invasion angle did yeah, no, that's fair enough, mate. That's fair enough. Um, you also had the interesting back and forth of the Miz, didn't we, going into the show? Mm-hmm. Now, the Miz at the time was the Money in the Bank briefcase holder and the US champion. He was, was on a bit of a role, and Team WWF were trying to get the Miz to be involved. Obviously, he's holding one of the secondary championships, the secondary championship on Raw at the time. They're trying to get the guy involved. You could see why they, you know, even though he was a heel and not very popular, you can understand their reasonings for that. The Miz was having an R-ing back and forth. And then even on the day of the show, we get a, a segment where Edge and Jericho are trying to convince the Miz to join them. The mm-hmm. Miz goes out to the ring later in the show and cuts quite a lengthy promo. It's about 10 minutes, I think, Max, isn't it? Yeah, he gets uh, he gets a lot of time to basically give us his answer uh, whether he was going to be part of a uh, of, of Team WWE. Runs down the fans uh, a lot. Uh, doesn't let them tries to have his own kind of a uh, segment where he w- it was like the Rock. This ain't sing along with the champ style uh, where he got to say his catchphrase, but essentially he did say he would he would join Team WWE. Yes, and that basically takes us to the match itself, I guess, doesn't it? And we have the entrances and, uh, first of all, the the Nexus theme, which I suppose was the NXT theme for a while, wasn't it? The actual show mm-hmm. theme. That's a banger. I like that. And it works really yeah. well for this Nexus group, I think. Yeah, it's the We Are One, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. yeah. And I also like, as simple as it is, the, the imagery of seeing them all stood there, the seven of them in a line, wearing the nexus t-shirts with the yellow block and the black end so simple but yeah it still looked quite quite impressive as, as a visual looking at them all in the ring at the same time didn't it they looked united they looked like they were on the same page they looked like a, an army they looked mm. like this could be a, a changing of the garden you you've got to remember as well that these were these were all rookies as well these were all really kind of young in their wrestling career to be headlining the second biggest um WWE pay-per-view so early in your career that's a huge amount of pressure and I think some of them carried it really really well some of them wilted a little bit under the pressure but some of them really did carry it well but yeah it's a, a great visual of them all coming out to the same song all stood in in basically in formation yeah it was a, a cool image yeah yeah we, we then get the uh the team wwe entrances and they're all individual which i suppose maybe leans to them not being fully on the same page again i guess but mm-hmm. everyone is supposed to be cheering 
for Team WWE, even though you have heels in the mix. So I suppose you're getting pops from the crowd on each occasion that people's music hit. It's a bit of an old wrestling trick, I guess, isn't it? The baby faces music hits, you get a reaction from the crowd and so on. Uh, Bret Hart coming out. Obviously, I remember Bret being in this match and, you know, that that's great. But how awesome was it hearing Bret's music and seeing him walk out? And he's not wearing wrestling gear. In fact, there's no pink on him at all, which is slightly jarring. He's got a white T-shirt on for a start. But, and jaws. Yeah, exactly. But how great was it just seeing Bret involved? Yeah, it was. I mean, after all the things that... that that happened with Brett in the, in the WWF and the, the animosity to, to see those bridges rebuilt. And we know that he couldn't take any bumps in the, in the ring. He couldn't get a uh, hit. Um, but the, just having him there mm. with all the things that he's done. He, I mean, the guy is a living legend in wrestling um, to have him as part of this match. It must've been amazing for the rest of the guys. Absolutely amazing. Cause it's, it, it, it was so cool having him as part of team WWE. Yeah, definitely. A couple of guys, I suppose you can see here that it is raw only representing WWE because you look at a couple of guys on, on the team. Okay. You're going with seven, which is quite a big number for a tag team anyway, mm-hmm. but with half the roster out of commission, cause they're on the SmackDown side of things and, and dealing with their own, stories and, the, and their own feuds and so on the likes of i suppose our truth okay they were popular at the time probably on a bit of a roll but it didn't quite fit seeing our truth stood next to the likes of cena edge jericho and even brett i guess um, i mean how dare you run the truth killings two-time nwa world's heavyweight champion <laughs> vince mcmahon's favorite wrestler is that right? Vince McMahon, Vince McMahon and R-Truth have an amazing relationship, apparently. They are like really, really close friends. Um, oh, okay. That's nice. Yeah, it is. I mean, two people you would not think would be friends nah. at all. Uh, nah, but, but yeah, it was it was bulked out, wasn't it? I mean, it was pretty bulked out. I mean, you had some genuine big stars in there. Jericho was, uh, was amazing. Uh, Edge one of the, the best heels. Nan, I think at this time he said he was nine times world champion. Cena. Uh, Morrison is, um, I think he not, um, he was kind of like mid card, but he was still like uh, a solid face. Obviously Bret Hart was, was, was massive, but yeah, I think R2 was, R-Truth was there to, to maybe round out the numbers. Yeah. The Miz does come out because he has accepted his, you know, the, the invitation, I guess, to be part of this, this seven team, seven man team. Sorry. But Cena cuts him off very, very quickly and introduces the guy who is actually going to be the seventh member of team WWE because he was saying, we can't hang around waiting for you to answer. It's too serious a situation. And we get Daniel right. Bryan. But this annoyed me because okay. Cena, Cena said, you can't make the decision on the day of the show. Yeah, that's fair. But then, why were Edge and Jericho asking him to be a member on the day of the fucking show? Mm. Why were they asking him if the decision had already been made that you were going to have uh, Daniel Bryan? Why were were two of your teammates asking him on the day of the show? Makes mm. no sense. Yeah, uh, yeah, it totally does. Uh, what also felt very strange was Daniel Bryan coming out and not having his normal 
music that we're yeah, used the, to the now. Valkyries. Yeah. The Valkyries, yeah, that was very strange to me. I, I, obviously, this had, is incredibly early, but not it's still not having weird. long hair and a, and a massive goat beard as well. Well, yeah, that is true. He looked very young, didn't he? Obviously, he is young. He's twelve years ago, but you know, <laughs> he looked very, very young. Yeah, he, everybody did twelve years ago. <laughs> I don't think I did. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, the match begins when, uh, obviously, we said about Nexus in their t-shirts, forming a line and looking like an army, as Magsy said, in the ring. The, sing- the single entrances of Team WWE mean that they're sort of gathering on the bottom of the entrance way, the bottom of the aisle. And then when Daniel Bryan comes down to join them, much to, you know, Miz's disappointment, the, the Team WWE, or the faces, I guess, for want of a better term, they all pile into the ring. And we start off how I believe most multi-man matches should start with just absolute bloody chaos. Yeah, carnage. Absolute carnage. Yeah, and... After after the 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 team WWE basically dispatch of of the Nexus and they're all kind of like angry and kicking off at, at ring uh, at the side of the ring, they're really mad that Daniel Bryan is part of the team. Now mm-hmm. we get we get now that Daniel Bryan is uh, an amazing wrestler, but surely the thought process should have been I would rather have Daniel Bryan than than the Miz at that time, because you, you're talking about somebody who was in WWE terms, relatively new to the, to the business against a, a wrestler like the Miz money in the bank holder, current champion, former world champion. Surely you'd be like, yes, thank, thank God. We've, we've, we've been dealt a bit of luck here. We've got shitty Daniel Bryan who got fired. Not, not a couple of months before. So yeah. Yeah, I guess, I guess, but then but I suppose they, they're absolutely they're, fuming about it. On commentary, they were saying that he knows the Nexus better than anyone. So maybe that was a concern of theirs. I don't know. But I'm with you, Magsy. It's kind of that thing of that maybe they should be a little bit happy mm-hmm. about this option. I don't know. But there we go. Uh, it becomes quite clear when it all starts calming down a little bit and we get down to, I suppose, one on one in the ring with six either side in, in the corners. The star power. Because of the Nexus, as you said, Max, they're all, they're all rookies. They're all new to the business. The star power is heavily stacked in the one corner, isn't it? And it becomes even more apparent when we see that first image of the ring and both sets of, of teammates, I guess, are divided across, facing mm-hmm. each other corner to corner. You're sort of looking across at the likes of Heath Slater and uh, Tarver, is it? The other guy. And then you look across the ring to the likes of Jericho. Which and Monty Brown, as how Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's very much a case of, okay, this should be a no contest, really, here, looking at this. You look at the, the, the sort of quality levels, in theory. I, I, I understand that, but uh, the way the Nexus... Uh, the Nexus had been portrayed up to now is um, is strength in numbers. And mm. I think that's how this storyline should have gone. And, and we might as well kind of like delve into into what potentially could have happened with the Nexus um, if, they'd, uh, if they'd have won this match. I think we could have had a, some really big stars come out of this. I mean, some of the wrestlers uh, in Nexus did have... Decent careers. I mean, where Barrett ended up uh, uh, being champion. Um, we had Heath Slater, who stuck around for a, for a long, long time. But um, there were wrestlers in that group who I don't think got enough time to 
show their character or enough time to learn um, the the way of being a WWE superstar. And this match is the start of cutting the Nexus off. Uh, the Nexus storyline off at the knees. Um, I think it could have gone on for so much longer. It could have been a real kind of a, uh, a really long story arc. And we could have ha- had the opportunity for these guys to become big stars. Uh, mm. But John Cena does what John Cena does. And we ended up having Ryback being the breakout star of this group, which is, a crime against a crime against wrestling. Yeah, it is. It is. <laughs> um, you say about certain guys not getting time and so on. That that doesn't just apply to, I suppose, their careers and TV time going forward. It applies in this match as well because we get two very quick eliminations, don't we? We we have Darren Young. He's sent packing very very quickly when <laughs> Daniel Bryan forces him to tap out. Which I understand why. I think it's quite clever because straight away it puts over Daniel Bryan as being this, this strong part of Team WWE. He's literally within the first minute or two eliminated someone. So mm-hmm. straight off the bat, he, he's elevated right there, isn't he? Yeah, uh, and and the the Nexus losing two in quick succession for me absolutely makes sense because. They are young. They are uh, green in the ring. They should fall for uh, perhaps uh, some tactics that the older, uh, more uh, established wrestlers should be able to, to to pull off. So that that to me makes sense. It's just that Darren Young got absolutely no time to shine in this match mm. whatsoever. Literally, he may have as well not have been there. And for me. Tarver, um, the 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 wish version of Monty Brown, got too much time. Um, he was just fucking awful, absolutely awful. Yeah. Uh, so I was happy when he got eliminated. Um, yeah, he, he, God, he was shit, wasn't he? He was, he was shit. not good. He was not good. <laughs> uh, John Morrison eliminated him relatively quickly, I guess, as well, didn't he? Uh, pinned him to eliminate Tarver as well. Sent him How- packing. How good of a move is that Starship pin as well? Yes. Yeah. Oh, fantastic. All so, oh, good. good. I mean, with mm-hmm. regards to John Morrison, I don't know how often he's going to come up or how often we're going to talk about the guy in the course of chain wrestling. I mean, it's, you know, this is like the 92nd link in the chain. We've not spoke about Morrison a great deal up to now. Um, there must be reasons for that. But how, I suppose, deviating a little bit, how do you feel Morrison's career has gone? Because I felt at one point, there was a huge amount of potential there. He, he looks like a movie star. The guy can talk. Uh, he can obviously wrestle, and he's an exciting talent as well. He's not just a guy who, who can work to a certain level. He, he's, he's exciting for people to watch. He's got these, this moveset that's quite unique. Mm-hmm. But he never quite seemed to click and get it all, all together at the same time to sort of make that next step from you know IC title, the United States title, and so on, into the world title picture. I mean, there was an occasion where he wrestled Cena for the world title quite quite early on in one year. Didn't quite work out there, and he's bumped around a few other companies as well. But was, he ne- was, he, was he never the WWE ECW champion as well? Uh, I don't know. He did wrestle on that brand, didn't he? And I felt did he he held the Impact title for a while as well? Yeah. Um. He after leaving 
WWE, one of the numerous times he kind of went on a tour, didn't he, of like mm. loads of companies and he would like change his last name to be like a link to that company. Like he was Johnny Lucher or yeah. Johnny Impact, stuff like that. Um, yeah, he... He should have been a world champion. He has all of the tools that that would have been a, a WWE champion. Uh, could talk on the mark. A, a really cool move set. Still now, still uh, incredibly, incredibly talented. I just don't know. Sometimes it just doesn't happen for for some people, and they never can kind of like get over that 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 uh, that mountain top, I suppose. Uh, but yeah, he he should have been a, a WWE champion for me. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree. Just maybe, you know, but I suppose the, the time that it should have happened coincided with, with Cena, and we're going to talk about those sort of decisions <laughs> in a little while, I think. Um, Ryback eliminates Morrison quite quickly, or Kip Sheffield, I think his name is here, isn't it? Skip. Skip, Skip. Sheffield. Sorry, Skip Sheffield. Uh, Ryback looks weird here. He's, he's incredibly put together, but when he wears the singlet, it's almost like it gives him color further up from his waist. But with no hair, no beard, he just kind of looks really plain all the way down. Yeah, um, uh, it, it, it looks like a cheap version of Goldberg, I suppose. Mm, yeah. Um, yeah, without the charisma. And... Yeah. Um, I mean, in this match, because he's so kind of fresh to the company, he ha- he actually doesn't look that bad. He's got a good look with him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he does. He does. Maxi coughing his guts up again. There, apologies. Yeah, um, and I think when, <laughs> yeah, just just the cold, sir. It's just the cold. Uh, but I, I think in this match, he's uh, especially his, his his few minutes with uh, with Morrison. He he uses his limited skill set pretty well obviously over over using his uh power and his strength uh there's a there's a point that i think it's with jericho that he tries to do kind of like the gorilla uh press and he muffs that up a little bit but he looked in this match like he had the potential to be someone um someone good we obviously know that he he didn't really kind of get any better than this and he ended up actually injuring a lot of people and was mm. very kind of stiff and rough in the ring and obviously has a massive delusions of grandeur where he thinks he's the best thing that's ever happened in wrestling and keeps thinking he's going to be coming back to WWE hopefully not uh, but he he did have potential out of the whole uh, group of Nexus beyond Wade Barrett I'd say he looked like he had the most uh, potential to, to, to make it he certainly would look like a Vince McMahon style guy. Just mm, okay. then, then the bell rings. Yeah, I mean that's interesting. I mean, Wade Barrett's obviously the star of Nexus. The guy can talk, he can wrestle. He's got a certain look to him. I would lean more towards Justin Gabriel as being the guy that I would think is like second in line to him. But that's more from me maybe being a bit naive from a wrestling standpoint as opposed to a WWE standpoint. Because he's got no charisma whatsoever, has he? Who, Ryback or Justin Gabriel? Justin Gabriel. I forgot he was even in the group. It's PJ Black, isn't it? Yeah, it's PJ yeah, Black. Says a lot. That. Uh, says a lot. He's he has talent. Uh, there's a there's a part in the match where he, uh, I think it's against Morrison, where he's doing the uh, all the flashy kicks. 
Mm. Oh, no, I think it, no, it's like it might be against our truth actually. Uh, okay. He's doing all the flashy kicks, but yeah, he is definitely a, a charisma vacuum. Um, mm. I would never have pinned him as the the second in command. I'd I'd pin him as just above Tarver. Okay, interesting. I mean, we're, we're currently obviously you know uh, three or four weeks in to looking at uh, NXT from when it first started at Full Sail, the black and gold era, as it's called, on NXT Rise and Fall, carried on the SJP World Media Network, myself and Joshua Goodwin. And he's in that. This is 2012, the time we're looking at on, on NXT, uh, the NXT Rise and Fall podcast, right? And it's exactly the same. The guy can really, really work, and he's having some fantastic matches on the NXT shows we're looking back for for the podcast. But as soon as you put a microphone in front of him, it's done. It's just like, oh man, yeah, you know, he needs someone to talk for him. Some people just can't do it, and that's fine. Some people yeah. have different strengths, but you know, here it's a case of well, management need to help him out a little bit. Don't put him in those scenarios, or put someone in there to talk for him. Yeah, and that's why he's in a, a group of seven people, so they can hide those flaws. Hmm. Yeah, totally. Uh, after Roy Backer sent Morrison packing, the action I find is really quick. There's a lot of tags in and out. There's a lot going on, but it it feels really fast, I suppose, because there is so many moving parts, Max. There's so many people who are trying to get in, do a bit, get out again, because you don't want to just stand on the uh, on the apron and do nothing, do you, I suppose? Uh, yeah, I mean, that was one of the, the kind of like stories of, of the match, though, we've, we've um, seen and not getting in the ring uh, till till right near the end. Um, but yeah, I, I suppose when you have, uh, teams with weaker members, I suppose, uh, you, you, you let them have their couple of minutes of, of, uh, ring time and, and get rid of them pretty quickly before you settle down into, uh, into like the, the meat and potatoes of the match. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I, I understand why it's seven aside because the Nexus is seven guys. Mm-hmm. But I almost felt with the quick eliminations and how much they had to almost similar to a war rumble, I guess. Sometimes you have to eliminate the chuff to get down to the to what you what you want. Yeah. It almost felt like it could have been four on four or five on five, really. Yeah. You know? Which is a point I will get to later on. Okay. No worries. Uh right back eliminates our truth. You know, and and again, Ryback here. I'm not a big Ryback fan in any way, stretch of the imagination. Don't get me wrong, but certain guys doing certain power moves look amazing. Goldberg is one of them. Scott Steiner, for a certain time in his career, was one of them. Ryback here hitting certain clotheslines. He yeah. looks a monster, doesn't he? Yeah, they they um they're almost on the level of JBL clotheslines, just oh. because they look legitimate they look like they take your head off and he, he mm. takes out both morrison and uh r-truth with him and yeah that two very quick pins essentially yeah i mean i mean after that i mean this is what i really want to talk about i've got a few notes on it here let's talk bret hart because after the morrison uh, sorry after the r-truth elimination brett tags in and I got a massive kick out of this at the time, and I got a massive kick out of this today watching it back as well. Because you know, I lo- obviously I keep saying Sean's my guy and winding people out saying Brett screwed Brett and all that, but I love Brett Hart as well. Of course I do. Mm-hmm. 
he doesn't do a lot because obviously he can't. You know, he's, yeah. you know, he's, he's got the issues he has. However, those right hands still look legit. Mm-hmm. You know, he, he he slams one of his opponents. Well, I think it's Heath Slater he works over for a while. Yeah. The punches look fantastic. And that kind of forward elbow drop, I guess, for want of a better term, where, he, you know, everyone is aware of it. Brett does it off the middle rope. He grabs his forearm and jumps forwards. He does that a couple of times, but on the deck. It, yeah. Everything looks so, so good from Brett here. He just looks an absolute star before ultimately he gets himself disqualified. Well, everything bar the atomic drop that, yeah, that that's a move that maybe should stay in the, in the early nineties. Yeah. It's not a good one. It's not a good one. Uh, He applies a sharpshooter on, I think that was on Heath Slater as well, wasn't it? And we get a chair thrown into the ring. Brett, for some reason, releases the sharpshooter, which I think it, stuff like that when wrestlers do that always puzzles me. So, like, well, why have you done that? You know, it's, it's and, it's, and uh, picks up the chair, yeah, and then just starts waffling people with it and gets disqualified. Mm-hmm. Well, he, he it's uh, I think it's Raback. Raback comes mm. in and he he uh clobbers Raback in the in the ribs and the back, but obviously that's going to lead to him being disqualified using a foreign object, but him and Cena, both massive veterans in the sport, uh are trying to argue with the referee that, well, that should be fair. They slid it into the, into the ring. That's never been the case in, in wrestling. You ridiculous. use that weapon whilst the ref was looking. It's your fault. Simple. Absolutely as that. ridiculous. Yeah. But it made sense. It absolutely made sense because you, uh, Brett got in some shots. We got the, the crowd got to see Brett, uh, working, but he also didn't take any damage. Didn't, uh, make his, uh, his, uh, CTE any worse. Um, so we got that joy of seeing Brett in 2010, uh, without him taking a bump. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and Brett using the chair leads to the elimination of Skip Sheffield, doesn't it? Cause we get a code breaker from Jericho who then tags edge, who hits a spear. Sheffield is like, Mm-hmm. Matt Stryker at this point on commentary says, I understand their job is to hype up what we're watching, but he says the WWE has been challenged before the NWO, WCW, the Alliance, but nothing like the Nexus before. Fuck off, Stryker. You absolute melt. Over egging the pudding. Absolutely mm. over egging the pudding. And then, uh, if whilst we're talking about commentary, uh, Michael Cole as well. Eve. He had a vendetta against uh, Daniel Bryan. He hated Daniel Bryan with a, yeah. I, it should have been the miss. We shouldn't have this fool. He's an idiot. What's why have we got him in? <laughs> but isn't this the time when, when Michael Cole was working as the heel commentator? Didn't he wrestle around this time as well? Was this wasn't around the Cole Miners match, was it? I don't know. Did he call him the Cole Miners? Yeah. Um it may be, but yeah, he, he just I just remember thinking wow michael give give him a bit of slack because he was he was kind of like blaming all of wwe's problems if they lost this match on on daniel brain and it had hardly been in the ring it's not mm. like it was his fault people had been eliminated uh yeah he was just now we've just got to put up with daniel brain and cena and this is this is fucking bullshit uh the nexus work over edge for a little while and this is like i think potentially the first time the match settles down into a kind of heels in control Mm -hmm. kind of situation yeah Uh, they got rid of the chuff 
Yeah, exactly. Uh, David Otonga tags in. Well, you say we got rid of the chaff. David Otonga tags in. And um, <laughs> he's DDT'd. And Y2J hits a lion salt for three quarters of the way across the ring. He barely makes it, but it looks amazing. It, it's almost more of a handstand flip mm. than an actual la- um, moonsault. Yeah. But yeah, it was a- Jericho nowadays could not pull that off. No, he not from not. that far. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the Wars of Jericho replied, a Tonga taps. Yeah, and, and what what was a Tonga's the point of him? I mean, I know he does he did, uh, does commentary, uh, but of all the matches I've seen of him, he's very very basic, and mm. the only time he's that when when the country's speaking about him, they're always talking about his wife. Uh, I think his wife is is it Jennifer Hudson, the singer or something like that. Um, Which who's a big deal? She was a massive deal, wasn't she? Yeah, but that that was his whole wrestling yeah yeah gimmick yeah. though that he's married to someone famous. I mean, mm. what is the point of him? I didn't mind him when he started doing his. He was like a lawyer, I think, or, or something like that. Was it for John Laurinaitis, who was his legal <laughs> guy? That yeah. made a little bit more sense. They were giving him something to do himself. But yeah, there weren't a lot there, mate. Was there? Let's be fair. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Slater then eliminates Chris Jericho pretty quickly. Yeah. I mean, so what, a pin, what a pin for, for Ron Weasley there. Got yeah. a, a big name on uh, Ron Weasley's uh, Ron Weasley's card there, Jesus Christ! Um, and what I think Matt Strakas called him the one man rock band, which obviously he must have known what was coming up in in mm. Heath Slater's future. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, Cena and Edge seem to have a bit of a disagreement for a moment before Edge gets rolled up and he's now eliminated. Yeah, it was um, Edge was slung into Cena, knocked Cena off the, off the apron. Cena's obviously had been watching it and knows that, that it wasn't Edge's fault, but still gives him the, the, the dagger eyes. Um, and, and, uh, Edge is kind of arguing with Cena at, at the side of the ring. Uh, and then he's rolled up to the schoolboy of death by, oh. by Heave Slater. Um, Edge is clearly not happy about that. And Spears, John Cena, Mm. Yes. Yeah. They Edge and Jericho, I suppose, returning to their heel roots because they were getting a few cheers in this match because of the, the, the sort of dynamic you have with the Nexus and so on. They're having a go at Cena. They slap him about a bit and so on. Um, Cena gets beaten down by the Nexus for a little while, but this is very punchy, kicky to coin a <laughs> Nitro Knights phrase. Very punchy, kicky. There's not a lot going on. Uh, we do get some. The, the, the dueling chance, don't we? The let's go Cena, Cena sucks chance, which is interesting when you actually look in the crowd because there's not kids, there's older guys wearing Nexus t-shirts chanting, let's go Cena. Made no yeah, sense. It didn't. Absolutely didn't. Um, and that's where the, the, the crowd chants follow this storyline because the rest of this ended up not making no sense. So you had um, three of of the the better wrestlers, I suppose, in in the Nexus against Cena and a rookie Daniel Bryan, it should have been all over. But but for the 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 singing and dancing, but no, this is where um, 
you can read a lot of uh, people's opinions on this. Jericho, Edge, mm-hmm. uh, a lot of Nexus, uh, um, the teammates uh, have all got their views on this. But essentially, this is where Cena uh, used his pol- politics backstage to to get the 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 end of the match changed. Apparently, two hours before the match actually started, um, he basically said to Vince, "I think." I should win this match. Uh, the WWE should win. Edge and uh, Jericho were were in the in the uh, meeting room. They said, "No, that sounds like a, an awful idea. We want to put these guys over. We want to make these into big stars." Uh, Cena has since backtracked and said he he knows he made the wrong decision. Um, he then also has said that it wasn't his decision he just can kind of like put his thoughts across it but he doesn't book the show so who knows who actually made that final call clearly Cena has a lot of stroke with Vince but it was it was a bad bad decision uh and especially when you watch it as well even with no knowledge of what went on Cena gets the living shit kicked out of him yeah and this is essentially where the whole Super Cena uh, meme comes from because he should not have been able to win this match with the with the odds and with the beatdowns he gets. But he does. He comes out and he Hulk Hogan's everyone, and it's ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, we'll we'll scan through it very quickly now. I suppose uh, Daniel Bryan gets the hot tag into the ring at one point, um, causes Heath Slater to tap out. Uh, the Miz comes from behind and lays out Daniel Bryan with his briefcase. He's eliminated, so it's 2-1 to the Nexus, in the Nexus's <laughs> favour, but that one obviously is Super Cena. And Cena at one stage even takes a DDT on the floor. The, the mats are pulled up, and his DDT, so that should be it for me. Yeah. You know, when people are dropped on their head, Mags, whether it's a pile driver, a tombstone, a DDT, people should not be kicking out. Exactly. And, and to be fair to Cena, when he's rolled in the ring by uh, Barrett, he does sandbaggy does look like dead weight um and then the uh barrett tells uh, uh justin gabriel go and do the the 450 splash because obviously that's the move that has took out vince mcmahon blah 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 blah. and then when he goes uh to do the the splash cena powers out and rolls out the way uh gets the cover even though he doesn't really do a move to 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 uh put uh gabriel away and and eliminates him, and then mm. we get we get thirty forty seconds of what should have been the feud of the this match, uh, Wade Barrett versus Cena, uh, and it's it's over and and done with within seconds. Yeah, ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. he he gets the that awful looking STF on Barrett, forces him to tap, and this is one of the worst looking ones because his arms and. There's such a gap between uh, Barrett's uh, face and and Cena's arms, yeah, it's it's ridiculous. And Barrett, for all all his kind of a uh, posturing and and being the leader, he taps out so quickly, and he yeah, it's it's it, it's ridiculous. And this kills the Nexus's credibility yep. for me. Absolutely kills it. And they've been building them for so long, and I had genuine intrigue in the Nexus and what was going to happen and are going into this event i remember thinking the nexus uh, they, they have to win this yeah of course they do. It it's makes, not gonna it harm absolute sense yeah there's no it's not gonna harm cena it's not gonna harm edge jericho the, and and the other guys involved they're 
not of a status where they need to particularly worry about wins and losses, if, if that even is a thing, worrying about wins and losses. But to me, it was a case of it's not going to harm any of the guys on Team WWE, but a win would do so much for the guys on Team Nexus. When, when Cena won, it was like, oh, right. And, and you, touched, you, you touched upon it earlier with regards to Cena suggesting this idea and changing what uh, the, the original plan was. So f- fuck you, John Cena, for even thinking that way in the first place. If he's turned around in later years and said, yeah, I made a mistake. Okay, people make mistakes, fair enough. But still, at that time, dickhead. Vince McMahon, come on, mate. What the hell? You should know. This is ridiculous. McMahon is the one. Cena, there's a lot of blame for, of course. But even if Cena's there going, oh, please, Vince, this is the way it should be. Vince McMahon is in charge. He has made the final call. And they put all this investment and effort into the Nexus, dominating Monday Night Raw for weeks and months, building to this huge match that could make these guys, maybe not all of them superstars, but it could make these guys... Uh, relevant for the next few months at least, and then get some big names out of that for future years. Some are always going to fall away. Some are always going to fall away. They were never, never going to be top, top level, but some had potential there. Cut them off at the knees straight away. Fucked all that effort and work they put into that group, into that storyline. Ridiculously bad booking decision, Lexi. Absolutely insane. Yeah, I totally, totally agree. I mean, this should have led to the Nexus almost taking over the W ring. It could yep. have been that huge. Yep. Um, and I've got a, um, a snippet from uh, um, Jericho's podcast when he had Edge uh, as a guest. Uh, and, okay. and they were, we were talking about this uh, Team Nexus uh, versus WWE. Um, and he, um, he said it boiled down to uh, you, meaning Edge, and me, meaning Jericho, uh, they're in this meeting. And it was Cena uh, was was talking. He, he said Cena wanted things done a certain way, and they both told him that it was wrong. And he said, and he pushed for it anyway, and it sucked. Um, and Jericho said exactly. He wanted he wanted to be DDT on the floor by Barrett, and then kick out and beat them both. Uh, and Jericho says to him, that's the dumbest thing ever. You're throwing the whole storyline away from no reason. Uh, and Edge says, uh, yep, they should have gone over because the storyline was so hot. And Jericho said, we were fighting for Barrett to go over, and I mean fighting. And in all fairness, where's where Barrett now? They absolutely should have listened to us. They're not wrong. They're not wrong. I mean, where could you have gone? If, if Barrett beats Cena here, if it goes the same way and you go down to the one-on-one, and Barrett beats Cena. Uh, I mean, personally, I wouldn't have booked it that way. I would have booked it that the Nexus literally ran through Team WWE. Maybe have one or two people eliminated, but ran through them. You know, re- make him really super strong. You could have had yeah. Barrett. I mean, th- this is have him winning, have him winning all the t- the titles at once. Yeah, kind of exactly. like the Bloodline now, winning yeah, everything. Yeah. Chuck the tag belts on a couple of the, uh, shall we say. Yeah, uh, and, you know, because they can, you know, in a tag match, maybe you can, you know, work around certain shortcomings because you've got other guys involved. Put the world title on Barrett, and put put the secondary title on like Brabat, maybe. Um, just give give them all the titles, and then mm-hmm. the team to really have to work from underneath to to beat off this this new group of of, of wrestlers. This could have been a year long storyline. This could have been. Uh, and this is a big, big shite on my part. So, you know, when I think about it later on, I may, be, I may correct myself, but this could have been 
approaching NWO levels of huge. If they yeah. literally just ran the over potential everybody. was there. The potential was there. Yeah. I, mean, I don't think it would have been as cool or as good, but it could have been as, you know, by 2012 standards, 2010 standards, sorry, it could have been at least that interesting. And that, mm-hmm. that Nexus shirt sold incredibly well. Everyone likes a group of guys who are just dominating, don't they? Look at the bloodline now. They're supposed to be heels, but they get cheers and they're, they're, their, merch is, their merch is shipping loads. Everyone acknowledges them. Exactly, Max. Exactly. Ah, so there we go. Magsy, out of 10. Um, I, I, I've got a feeling that our scores are going to differ on this because judging this as a match in in and of itself, I don't think it was the worst match we've ever watched. The finish is definitely screwing, needs, uh, needed to be totally uh, changed. But the middle part, when we got down to that four on four was actually quite good. And, and, and the way the eliminations went was, was quite interesting and, and engaging. So I think I'm going to give it a five and a half, uh, just because okay. the finish ruins it. And then there's the early bit with, uh, with the, the wrestlers that maybe didn't have to be there. Um, so yeah, I think five and a half is, is good enough. See, we're not far off. We're not far off. I got five. I got oh, five out of ten. Um, I, I I will go back and watch this again at some point. So it puts it above a lot of matches we've covered on this show that have got less than five. But at the same time, the finish is a big thing for me. It it just wrecks it. Seeing again DDT on the floor and basically not being dead wrecks it for me. Um, <laughs> quick eliminations as well. I understand why some of them happened. But to me, there was too many of them. And eliminations on moves that wrestlers get hit with pretty much. And it happens in every multi-man match, every Survivor Series and so on. But you get guys eliminated off a big clothesline. You get guys eliminated off a roll-up and then another roll-up. And it, that I kind of get a bit lost in a little bit, to be fair. I'm not a big fan of that sort of thing. But mm-hmm. yeah, for me, it's a five. It's not something that I would necessarily rush back and watch. But I probably would at some stage watch it again in the future. So yeah. Okay, fair. There we go, mate. There we go. I suppose then, where do we go next week? Maxi, okay. what you got for us? So I mentioned earlier that I have been on a, a wrestling rabbit hole doing research for the Hall of Lame, and it led me to a match that I have n- not only never seen before, but never even heard of before. Um, okay, why? It's from the... Uh, 1986 um the issue was i needed to find a link for this match to the 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 nexus versus team wwe um because it's i need this episode i need this match on chain wrestling and you'll understand why when you get to watch it um so i had to do a little bit of out of the box thinking to to get the link in there uh so i so I was looking at uh, the 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 birthplaces of the wrestlers uh, because obviously you've got fourteen wrestlers to pick out. I was hoping that maybe they uh, were born in the same place or the same uh, state as one of the wrestlers. I came close uh, because one of the wrestlers uh, was born in Virginia, and Heath Slater is from West Virginia, but they're not. It that for me is breaking the rules because it it's not the same. 
I'm sorry, but so was... you've actually you've actually got some rules that you won't step over the line for, yeah? You've exactly. got some <laughs> I have scruples. Um but I did I did manage to find a link. And the okay. link the link is the arena. Again, it's not it's not the arena for SummerSlam 2010. Now, bear with me on this. And I mentioned it earlier in the in the in the um in uh, in the breakdown of the match that uh, I said that maybe we should have had less members of each team in a match. Okay. And that's because this storyline carries on after after Summer, uh, SummerSlam uh, with uh, Team WWE and, and Team Nexus still at each other's throats. So a couple of weeks later, uh, we end up with uh, a five-on-five match uh, on Raw where Nexus take on a team of WWE. That, for me, would have been the ideal number. And that episode of Raw was at the Boston Gardens in Boston, Massachusetts. Okay. Which is where the match I need to see on Chain Wrestling was from. And, in fact, on the network, it's it's down as Boston Garden. August the Nav, nineteen eighty six. The match is Tony Atlas taking on Ted Arcide. Now I've never heard of this Ted Arcide guy. I've know very little of Tony Atlas, but I watched this match in my um, rabbit hole, and this—I don't want to spoil it—but this may break records on chain wrestling this may get a score that no other match has got before so i am putting forward from august the 9th 1986 um from the boston gardens ted arcida versus tony atlas ted orcidi a r c r d i will give you the link say that again sorry a a-R-A-R-C-R-E-R. Ted R-C-D. Okay. When you say break records on chain wrestling, are we talking upwards or downwards? In, I don't want to give the game away. <laughs> I want to leave it in the hands of our loyal and hopefully intelligent CWF. But this, I watched this match and I was blown away by it. Okay. Whether that's good or bad, you will. We will see next week. And it's on the network, uh, August the 9th, nineteen eighty-six, Boston Gardens. How do you search find that? For, hit- search for Ted Arcida. Yeah. And funnily enough, he hasn't had many WWE matches, <laughs> so there's not that many to choose from. Okay, fair enough. Fair enough. This is honestly, I already want you to win this week. I'm intrigued now because I've never seen that. I I know Tony Atlas, but not masses of his work. I'll, I'll even give you a sweet. No. It's got Gorilla Monsoon and Lord Alfred Hayes on commentary. Oh dear. Okay. <laughs> no, they are brilliant. Are they? They're probably the best part of it. Oh, okay. Really. <laughs> to be fair. We always have a good fun when the wrestling is comical. So if it is that way, you know, 
Okay, interesting, interesting. I already hope you win, Magsy, again. Um, <laughs> my choice is relatively straightforward. I really enjoyed seeing Bret Hart here, even though it wasn't Bret as we remember him. It's his Bret, effectively retired, can't do much, etc. So I thought, why don't we go back and look at the match that Bret says effectively caused his retirement from Starcade 99, Bret Hart versus Goldberg, when he picked up the concussion that in 2000 led to his sad retirement from the ring. And that is what I want to do. I want to go to Starcade 99, Goldberg versus Bret Hart for the WCW world title. Uh, and, and just check that out there, Magazine. Yeah. Don't vote for that one. I mean, no, don't. Don't it's a, it's a, a good story, a good storyline, and but definitely vote for man. This week, I implore. I normally say vote for Sars, but this week I implore you, vote for man because it, it's going to break chain wrestling records. <laughs> okay, I'm intrigued. I really am. Uh, I, I do hope it wins. To be fair, <laughs> uh, my only concern is uh, from from one standpoint, if if your match wins, that's fine. Because Goldberg, Bret Hart will come up again. That'll come up again, and it's easy to link to. I'm concerned that if Tony Atlas versus Ted RCD wins, where the fuck do we go from there? <laughs> I mean, who thinks ahead more than one move? No, certainly well, not me. True. This is true. Uh, Magsy, we better scan through the chat because we've had a few comments from the awesome people in the CWF here before we depart for the evening. And again, CWF, people listening on YouTube and and, and everywhere else, Facebook and Twitch and wherever else we're available now. Thank you so, so much for sticking with us. We, We appreciate that the last few chain wrestlings since we've got over to our own network, we have ran longer than our usual two hours ish. But you stick with us the whole duration of the show. So thank you so, so much for that. Mm-hmm. We massively do appreciate it. Letting letting two clowns like us waffle crap for over two hours, You, we love you for it. Anyway, um, Sharon says, how can I bend the rules this week? Uh, that, that's <laughs> besmirching my good character. I never bend the rules. I destroy, I ignore the rules completely. Thank you very much. Um Cam saying, you know Gilberg is getting that Hall of uh, Fame induction one day. Jesus Christ. I'll be in attendance when he does. Dan says, all he knows of Tony Atlas is that he has a, a foot fetish. And if it That's wins, I also have like some extra tidbits about the aftermath of the match and what happens with Tony Atlas and stuff like that. Okay. WWE CW legend Tony Atlas. He actually was in WWE CW and Ted RCD. Jesus Christ. I think that's his name. I think it's RCD. It's A-R-C-R-D-R. And Dan Green saying it's going to be fucking <laughs> shit, isn't it? <laughs> well, find out next week. Same wrestling time, same wrestling channel, people. Um, Scottish Danny, as the the encyclopedia is, is going to check it off. Uh, and there is an easy link: Tony Atlas to ECW. There you go. So right, that is yeah. a link. Um, Tony Atlas was in WWE ECW. There's loads of matches on there. Yeah, not very good ones, but they are on there. But yeah, that's the the chat caught up. And again, like, like I said, we massively love you all for for allowing us to to be in your homes and and going long. As as I said, yeah, thank you very very much. 
Yeah, it's awesome. I, I cannot appreciate you know, <laughs> express my appreciation enough. Uh, and on that note, obviously, normally, Mags, I throw to you first, but I'll, I'll run through my usual bullshit right now, I guess. Um, on that note, the SJP World Media Network, new shows popping up all the time, and everyone is just jumping on them, retweeting them, sharing them, listening to them. Uh, some of the stuff we're getting out there is doing great numbers. I mean, back when with Danny and Tyler, it's only got two episodes. It's only a monthly show and it's not long episodes, but you guys seem to be loving it. It's been fantastic. The reception you've given Tyler and Danny, Danny hosted this month's uh, back when show looking at where back when quiet riot released the album metal health. I know, and I'm going to embarrass him now. So I apologize, Danny. He was incredibly nervous hosting it incredibly nervous, but you listen back to that show on the SJP world media network. He did a fantastic job. Tyler is awesome as well. Uh, the, the new NXT podcast, Rise and Fall, look back that I do with uh, Joshua Goodwin. So much great feedback on that. Joshua's awesome at what he does, and he breaks down certain things in, in the wrestling ring, moves-wise, content-wise, that I could never even begin to fathom. So you get a different insight there. Nitro Nights, and of course, Chain Wrestling as well, the Doctor Who pod, all the stuff we get from Benny Mac in the corner, looking at modern-day WWE, so you don't have to. The Nothing This Show, just talking nothing on a Sunday. It's a great listen there. So much great content. It is awesome that so many people are invested in what we're doing. And I cannot thank you all enough. Mm -hmm. Buy your merch because that's how I fund it. (laughs) Give me your money. (laughs) But no, honestly, I cannot thank you all enough. It's awesome. And you can find it all at SJP World Media on Twitter and Facebook and any podcast provider, good ones and bad ones too. So yeah, there we go. Magsy yourself um yeah i mean what else can can they say the way that uh you guys have, have taken the content from um from sjp world media to your hearts and yeah it's just absolutely amazing from a, an idiot who just turns up on a monday and uh chats absolute trap um i know the amount of hard work that sar and and the team have been pouring in uh, and i'm happy to ride their coattails to infamy with it um well uh, hang, on, hang on hang on hang on i'm gonna cut you off right there you're not riding no one's coattails my friend this this show this network and everything else involved wouldn't exist about you so don't even don't even try so it. i apologize for for putting this on you all <laughs> my sincere apologies. i do have a little bit of news though regarding this show uh next week uh we will actually be uh at an earlier time um because oh, yeah brilliant not even remembered that's amazing well no oh. you're right i'm glad you said because i would have forgot <laughs> so it will be on uh, uh around seven o'clock instead of nine o'clock and that's because i'm actually on holiday next week so i am cutting into my holiday to to be a trooper again ill Maybe. this week what? on holiday next week and i'm still plowing through terrible well terrible or amazing depending which one you pick, uh, wrestling <laughs> for you guys. Uh, so yeah, tune into that uh, special episode at 7 o'clock next Monday. Um, but you can follow me down here on the Twitter at PodfatherMags or on TikTok at MagsAllPods. Don't post anything on our room, so you'll be plowing through my very, very old posts and tweets. But yeah, give me a follow anyway. Plenty of dick pics. Jump on them. Um, yeah. <laughs> if you can, if you've got a magnifying glass, definitely jump on them. 
Uh, and of course, you can always follow the show itself at chain underscore wrestling on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and that TikTok thing of me. Maxi, I'm off now to see if I can, you know, find anywhere that sells cut price Nexus t-shirts and then just start humming that tune in my head so I feel like I'm part of a gang. I'll see you next week, my friend. I'm off for a crafter. Bye-bye, folks. I'll show you the way I've been kicking some booty with a big boy's play